Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Heavenly Father, we come again, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that I have with my brothers and sisters in Christ that we're able to uplift your name one other time, Lord, giving us another day that we can breathe and see life and enjoy our friends and, I mean, just talk about the Lord of glory. Because, Lord, if we're not talking about you, then there's not anything that's that important. This is all about you. It's about your story. And we just thank you, Lord, for being an awesome God, for keeping us, Lord, when the enemy has tried so many times to stop us. We just thank you, Lord, that you have enabled us to continue to do your will despite all that we have to face. For those who couldn't be here today, Lord, I'm asking that you heal them. For those who are sick, for those who are dealing with issues in their lives, I'm asking, Lord, that your spirit, Lord, come upon them, that they may be healed. But right now, Lord, we need a strong presence of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we accept no substitutes. We want you here, Lord, in your spirit, that all that is said, Lord, will come from you. All things that need to be heard, all things, Lord, the milk, the meat, Everything that we need for spiritual growth and nourishment, Lord, I'm asking that your spirit of teaching fall upon us, Lord. Let the spirit of joy also fall. Let the spirit of praise, Lord, cover us that we may uplift you, Lord, that we won't just sit here like the dead because we have an awesome God and it's time that the world knows who you are. It's time that we go out in boldness and in truth and in faith knowing, Lord, that if we have you, then it's more than the world against us. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit, Lord, if it's jealousy, malice, hatred, Lord, pride, Lord, spirit of fear, spirits of doubt, Lord, I'm asking that they be placed beneath your feet. I'm asking, Lord, that your spirit be here and your spirit only. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. Lord, do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so, you know, this is our third uh, conference that we're having. It's for the end-time disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, I'm believing that the Lord really is putting an army together. I believe that he's getting us prepared. He's getting us groomed for times that won't be the best. They won't be the times that we remember. But, you know, when we talk about politics and we get into things of the world, and you see an awful lot of confusion going on now with people. You know, people don't know who to vote for. Was Donald Trump a good man to go for? Was... You know, this whole thing with Black Lives Mattering, and you got rioting, and you got chaos, and you got all this stuff going on. 
And, you know, these are the dark times for a nation and for a world that has forsaken Jesus Christ. If we are the light and the salt of the earth, I think a lot of people may have some understanding, but they don't really have the full story unless they recognize what the biblical account is. So I think in many cases, it's our job to really explain that the Word of God endures forever. The Word of God is telling us that these times will come so that we wouldn't be surprised. And as far as putting our trust in men or things or the affairs of this world, we just can't get into that. It can't be that serious for us as Christians. We're only here for one reason, and that's to uplift Jesus Christ. You get a lot of people that are so interested in the Constitution and, you know, all this stuff about when they say God, you know, um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and all these things, but you got to really question what God they're talking about when you think about the fact that we were told that there's a freedom of religion. And, you know, regardless of how many times they mention God in the Constitution, you never see the name of Jesus anywhere on there. So what was really going on? And, and that's one thing I love about our God is that he makes things personal. You know, anyone can talk about God from day in and day out, but when it comes down to who Jesus is, Man, that's the game changer, because you'll find out if they're really worshiping the real God or not. So we're going to discuss a lot today. You know, we're going to get a lot of things done, I believe. I believe that the Lord has called this meeting for a reason. You know, this is not about, you know, Facebook commenting and all this other stuff. We're only speaking to the remnant. We're only speaking to those who want Christ. The days of arguing and debating about what people believe, those days are over. This thing is becoming really serious, real fast, and the Lord has left his battle axe here, and I believe that that is his remnant, and we are the, we are the church of Jesus Christ. What is the church? The ecclesia, the called out ones, those that are separated unto God and to his will. So before we get going, uh, Melissa's going to sing, um, I'm not sure if she's going to sing one or two songs, and we'll get right into it, but I, I thank you all for being here, you know, I see some really good friends people that I've missed, I haven't seen. I've never stopped praying for you all because we are the body of Christ and we only have one enemy and that is Satan. So I'm glad everyone is here and um, we're going to uplift the Lord's name regardless of what. He is worthy of that praise. So Melissa's going to sing and then we'll get right into it.
tribulations are so great and why we fight with unbelief even within the church has a lot to do with no interaction with the Holy Ghost you know the Holy Ghost as we go further into this thing he's the whole story not only is it about just getting the word and being baptized and you know getting the Holy Ghost in your life but Paul talks about having the hands of the presbytery lay, you know, on us to stir up the gift that is inside of us. So not only when we did the teaching about the four rivers of the Garden of Eden, you know, one was just about having an increase. That would be the Holy Ghost in your life. But then when you get to the second river, it talked about how you would be bursting forth. And then the other talks about dashing, where you have a purpose where you're going. And then the lastly, you know, it's really about being fulfilled, you know, bringing in the fruit. So I think that when 
people tell us in a lot of churches and other you know atmospheres that we have the Holy Ghost. This is true. You believe God, so God imparted your, His Spirit to you. But see, if we're growing Christ and Christ in us is the hope of glory, then we've got to grow Christ. That's what it's really all about. What do we feed Christ if we're birthing God? If we're bringing forth Jesus Christ, then what we need to feed God on is the Word of God. Because that's the nourishment. God the Father is not relying on you to do a thing. He wants you a vessel fit for the Master to use. The only thing that God deals with is God. So it's Christ in us. It's not us. We might be the vessel, but the more we yield to the Spirit of God, then we will begin to see the things manifest in God, like the, the nine fruit of the Spirit, which will bring forth the gifts of the Spirit, increasing our faith to where we can believe what Jesus said in Mark 16, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils, they will speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. If they eat any deadly thing, it won't harm them or drink. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So the Holy Ghost is really the whole story because he's the only one that can make us like Christ. You know, and I know a lot of people say, well, that's not necessary. Jesus is not a liar. He's not the, you know, he's not, God is not a man that he should lie. Jesus Christ, you know, nor the son of man that he should repent. When Jesus Christ said a thing, he holds his word above his name. So the spirit can live in us. And we're going to find out why it's difficult for that to come forward. There's so much that we have to do. So let's go to uh, Romans chapter 12. We'll start at verse 1. Glasses for this Bible, but we are many, but eyes are wearing thin. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, and it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, this is just reasonable. And I mean, you know, we struggle with this because, you know, there's a lot of reasons. But look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, it, it is important to know what the Lord is actually calling us to do because I believe we all have separate offices. There are things that the Lord may tell us to do, but I believe when Jesus talks about in Matthew 7, away from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. Those people have resumes of casting out devils. Those people have resumes of all these wonderful works. But we have to understand that the difference between good things and God things are Things that are led by the Holy Ghost. You can do a good thing, but is it a God thing? Is it what he's calling you to do at this particular time? So, you know, we really do have to have Christ grown in us to know what the will of God is. What is acceptable to God? Because there are many things that we think are. The Bible makes clear that there are ways that which seemeth right unto men, but in the end are the ways of death. So what we want to know is what the Lord's purpose is. 
And the one reason why we can't do what he's telling us to do is because we, we refuse to take our journey. The Lord doesn't want you to try. The Lord doesn't want you to do all these different things. He doesn't want you to strive with willpower and all that you want. All the Lord wants you to do is die. That is it. He wants you to die so that he may work. When the disciples in Acts, the uh, second chapter, they were broken men. They could never go back to their lives. They could never go back to their jobs. They were on the run for their lives. They believed God. They waited in the city. He told them they shall receive power. But see, only broken vessels can be filled with the Holy Ghost. If we've got too much head knowledge, too much top, we're too top heavy, the Lord can't get in. Because your knowledge is, in, is interfering with what the Holy Ghost is trying to do. Paul said that I knew all these things only to know nothing but to be filled or have revelation of Jesus Christ. So a lot of the things that we do, we have to really forget about in this life. And then that includes, you know, some things you might have learned in seminary, you know, uh, college programming, you know, about the Institute of Higher Learning and all these things where they push you into Socrates and Plato, trying to make you have a Greek mind so you can forget about the mind of Christ. So in order to receive the things of God and for Christ to be real in us, we have to know what he's calling us to do. Philippians chapter 3, and then I'm going to hand it over to my brother James. Uh, he's going to uh, say a few words or do what he needs to do. But, you know, I just, I just think it's important that the world knows that our God is real. All right, Philippians chapter 3, we'll start at verse 1, and it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To indeed, I mean, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. A big part of why we won't take the journey, which is to the cross, is because we love self way too much. I know that we've been told we can do anything we want in this world as long as we make room for Jesus. But, man, if we really want the things of Jesus and we want this book to become alive in our lives, where I'm no longer discussing my opinion about what I think, man, I've got power. Because the Holy Ghost is living in me. I'm a living dynamo full of the Holy Ghost doing what he's called me to do. So you guys can theorize about it. I'm telling you I know him. He talks to me. We spend time together. So this is what we want to know is Christ in us. This is what we want to have. And this is when you place no confidence in flesh because you're no longer relying on you. Jesus Christ is like that mountain where... From a distance, he looks small. You know, it looks like it's small, but as you get closer to the mountain, the mountain didn't grow. The mountain was always the same size, but your perspective on him has changed because you're now closer to him. So the Lord wants to reveal his secrets to us. He said he put treasure in earthen vessels. So this is what the only reason that we can't get there is because it's capped off by flesh. Man, we've got to dig deep. We've got to mine. We've got to seek, ask, and knock. We've got to fast and pray before the Lord in order to receive the things that He wants. If we are the temple of the living God, then the Lord is just telling us that, hey, you've got to make sacrifice in this temple. 
We got to keep this temple up to par. We got to keep that fire lit because you never know when the Lord is going to call your number. Verse 4, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he uh, might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, in Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching law of Pharisee. So Paul had a great resume. Yea, doubtless I uh, count all things uh, but laws for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. So Paul was a, a, you can say seminary, college educated man, you know, for that time. You couldn't argue with Paul. Paul knew the Bible from front to back or whatever the Torah was. But Paul knew this word. He knew the law and he touched it blameless. But yet finding Christ made him put all these things aside because he recognized the difference between man's knowledge or what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. You can read here all day long about what the Bible says, but the difference between the logos and the rhema is one is the spoken word, the other is the, the written word, okay? But you need to know what is Christ telling you to do right now? Now we might read in this Bible, divorce is not something that, you know, is allowed by God, except for this, that, and the third. But what if you're in a situation where, you know, this person is trying to kill you and you got some letter carrier telling you, hey, the Bible says don't divorce. You need to hear from the Holy Ghost to tell you what to do at this particular time. And what I mean by that is there's, there's references of Paul saying, you know, the Lord didn't address this, but I will. Why? Because the authority of the Holy Ghost was granted to him to speak on a subject that had not been spoken of before. Jesus Christ can be this real to us, but unless we really tap into that treasure, then we can't know what he wants. Amen. I mean, not that we can't read the word, of course, but this is what it means by the letter. The letter is one part of it, but when you, when you become this word like Jesus Christ is, when you're doing what the Bible says, then all this stuff comes to life. All right, and uh, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, uh, which is of the Lord, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. You know, Romans chapter 6 said, didn't you know that when you were baptized that you were also baptized to the death of Christ? This is something to think about because I know baptism, I'm not speaking against it. You have turned away from the world. You have accepted Christ. But did you not know along with that baptism that you would have to die? And, you know, it's the flesh that doesn't want to go. The Bible talks about that the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And we got to know what it is to walk that way. Okay, uh, verse uh, 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. 
Now, there were a people who thought this in Numbers 13, when the Lord brought them out of Egypt, he did that for them. When it came time for them to go into the promised land, he had to do that through them. And they, when they were in Egypt, they were sustained by the world. They lived by the world rules. They were slaves. You know, when the Lord freed them, they crossed the Red Sea. That was their water baptism. They stepped into the wilderness to where they had to trust God because it was a barren land. So what did the Lord do? He poured uh, manna from a rock. I mean, he poured water from a rock. He poured manna from heaven. He sustained them every day in the soul until they got to the land that flowed with milk and honey. But either way, even with all the miracles, even with all the things that the Lord had done, those people would not go into the land because they still had Egypt in them. They were still wrapped up in the world. They still wanted the world. And Christ just is not serious to us. I mean, and some people would say he's merciful. God is merciful. Lots of mercy. But are you going to walk into the promise or are we going to stay in the wilderness? Because we've been here. We know that you can only do but so much. The only thing in the wilderness is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't just the tree of evil. It was a tree of good, too. This is why you can go in and work out at the gym and do all these things and feel good about self. You can meet the love of your life and go through all sorts of things that you want to in life. You can have all these things, but somehow there's still that void in us. There's still that missing piece. Why do I have all this money? I have all these things. Man, there's something still not there. And the only way that we can get there to have what Adam and Eve had when they were made perfect was to have the Spirit. Most don't know that Adam and Eve lost the Holy Ghost. That's what, that's what their fall was all about. And that's what Jesus came to bring back. Uh, verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of a high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if uh, in anything... Uh, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal uh, even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So this isn't the walk of just one person who decides to take Jesus Christ serious. This is the walk of anyone that calls himself a Christian and is following Christ. That's right. Verse 16, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, Oh, I already read that. 17. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye uh, have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. You know, let that sink in us real good because the cross is the whole journey. Jesus Christ is what it is all about, being like him. There are things that we're going to have to forsake to get here. But Paul is talking about the enemies of Christ. So what is it that's keeping you from the cross? What is it that's keeping me from the cross? What is it that we love so much that we see every day that we can't give it to Christ? You love yourself too much. I love myself too much. But either way, if we're going to be one with Christ... We've got to reach the cross. Amen. This thing can come with family. This thing can come with friends. This can come with love. It can come with your job. It can come with money. But the question is, are you going to the cross? 
Because Jesus did it and we're supposed to follow. Now Jesus did say it is finished. He did the job. But he's the first fruits of his kind. He's the first life type regenerated after what happened with Adam and Eve. He came to be man, to redeem man, to be like Christ. <laughs> so this is what's really important. This is what the calling is about. But you got to find out where your enemy lies. Because he'll keep you from the cross. He'll make you feel warm and fuzzy. But he won't tell you to die. And this is what the Lord wants us to do. Now, dying doesn't mean you can't have family. You can't be in love. You can't do. That's got nothing to do with it. It's about you and your personal relationship with Christ. Amen. When Paul talks about us looking for the longing of Jesus Christ, how do we long for Jesus if we love this world? The Bible makes clear that friendship with the world, we are the enemies of God. You know, and if you read uh, Matthew 6, it even talks about Jesus just wants you to go. He just wants us to go. He'll take care of everything that we have. Is this an overnight process? No. Okay, and, and you know, some people may say to me, well, well, you're working. Yes, I am. My brother Jake, my brother um, James, we're trying to get more people in prayer there. You know, we've got seven people so far. We're just pushing for more. The only reason why I want work in my life now is to set the captives free. Amen. That's the only reason. Yep. Now, the Lord is sustaining me. He's, you know, giving me a job. I'm able to eat. I'm able to do things. But I want to place his work right, right alongside of the work that I think is important. So I'm not telling anybody what to do in their lives. All I'm saying is this is a failed human tragedy. Right. We've been religious for so long. When does this Bible become what we are supposed to be? When is Christ that real to us? That's something we just ought to seek. I mean, it's not everyone can have their opinion on it. But, you know, this is what it's all about. We talk about standing in those times and having done all to stand, stand therefore with your loins girt up with truth, your helmet of salvation. If we're not even wearing, we're not even at war, then how can we even wear the armor? Read Judges 3 and it talks about how the only reason that the Lord brought them through their troubles through the wilderness was to teach these people to war. That's right. And as Christians, we have become pacifists. I'm not talking about physical fights. I'm talking about taking the enemy to the devil. Taking the fight to the enemy, sorry. The, the devil. Those who need demons cast out. Those who need prayer and healing. That believe in the power. Have not having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. You know, that's what this is about. If we are supposed to be soldiers, the only place you're going to find soldiers is in an army. And we're either in the army of Jesus Christ or we're not. Jesus Christ says, he that does not gather, they scatter. So if we're not building for the kingdom, if we're not working for the kingdom, if we're not bringing more things into the kingdom that need to be present in the kingdom, then we're scattering. And you can do that by simply doing nothing. And I'm not here to tell everybody what's wrong. I got my own sin. I got things in my life that I know I'm on my journey with. But just because you haven't finished the way doesn't mean that you don't recognize the way. As long as we know where we're pointed, we can always get there. And I'm no one savior. I'm nobody. I've got no power. I'm just a vessel that the Lord is telling me to tell others. You know, and it is what it is. We can take it or leave it. But from here, I'm going to just lay it down. Um, my brother James, you know, he's going to present. 
and um, I guess we'll get back into it. And we'll have Sarah, uh, who else is uh, Carlin, you know, and others. So um, that's what it's really all about. So I'll have a seat. My brother James is coming up. And here he has to sit. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. All right, so first thing we want, we want to turn to is uh, Jonah, first chapter of Jonah. Um, what was on my heart to talk about is basically the same thing as what Mr. Halley has already mentioned. So I'm going to go over the, um, the scripture that he just read in Philippians. Mm-hmm. 13, but you can go ahead and stay on Jonah. That's what we're going to do. Philippians 3? Philippians 3, okay. verse uh, 13. I'm just, just going to read that verse, 13, and then I think it's and he was th- 13 and 14. Yeah, I'm just going to read over those two scriptures because it ties into what's about to be, okay. about to be said. Yeah. And it reads, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God Christ Jesus. So it's saying, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, but I'm reaching for the things that are before. So this is something that we've already spoke about in, a, um, in one study, that the way of Christ is always forward. It's always pressing forward. The momentum of faith. There is a momentum in everything that you do. So I wanted to put some emphasis on that and how important that is. Mm-hmm. When you're going, when you're doing some work and somebody might distract you, you might get frustrated. Come on, you know it's that momentum. You want to continue going. So first thing, um, what the study is actually about. It's about how how we um, get filled with a lot of stuff and we kind of mess up our own momentum. The momentum that God gives us, that faith that God gives us, and we kind of get involved into things that messes up for ourselves. So let's go to Jonah. First chapter of Jonah. Let me get there myself. Alright, in this book of in the chapter of Jonah, it talks about how Jonah was given a message from the living God to go do a particular thing. And it was to cry against the city of Nineveh. And it was to cry against them because Jonah, they would hear Jonah, they would hear him. So we're gonna go to that first. Let me get there. Okay, starting, let's start in verse 13. Are we there? All right. So at this point, Jonah is already on the boat. He ran from God, or he tried to run from God onto this boat to flee the city. All right. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea was wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. 
So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. There's that word again, forth. They cast him forth. Okay? Then the men feared the, the Lord exceedingly, and offered a, a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had a, prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, have you all experienced a sense of fear so bad that it kind of, you couldn't think of anything else? You was just so terrified, nothing else could even intervene in that, uh, that t terrible fear that you felt. This is kind of like that same thing. God made them so afraid that anything that, might have, that they might have invo got involved with in life was gone in that moment. God cleaned them within that moment so much that they bow down and they pray to God. So that's what basically, what I want to continue on is that momentum piece. He helped them continue. Mm -hmm. So he, he made them fear, or that fear came upon them where they bowed down. They got rid of their idols, they got rid of the gods that they started to pray to, and they prayed to the living God. Now here comes Jonah. Jonah was given a message to go against, to cry against the city, to tell the city, to tell those people, that they will be destroyed in 40 days if they do not turn from the things that they got involved with. That's right. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Now I'm, I'm thinking, I'm wondering, maybe Jonah thought that if he had them throw him into the sea, he would die just easy. He probably thought it would be a simple death. But that wasn't the case. He was in the belly and he's explaining how it was like hell to him. He was at his most vulnerable point where he was terrified, he was scared. And who did he call upon? He called upon God, the living God. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all the billows and the waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward, there's that piece, that word again, toward, forward, I will look forth. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head, and went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought, me, brought, brought up my life from corruption. O Lord, my God. So he is feeling so, I don't know, like so broken. That's that piece. He's feeling so, so torn that he wants, he wants to be brought up from this position he's in right now. So God talked to the fish, and the fish spat him out. Okay, now let's turn to, let's turn to, mm, let's turn to Matthew 23. Turning to Matthew 23, verse 25. So, what I was just basically talking about is that momentum, okay? And also in that momentum, we have to be clean from the things that we get involved with, right? So this is also, so what God did to those men who was in the boat... And I think at that point, they didn't even know God. 
because they were talking to Jonah, and he says, who art thou, and where, where comest thou? And he was explaining to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the living God, who created the sea and the dry land. And at that point, they were being introduced, and in that same moment, they bowed down, and they prayed to the living God. So they were being cleaned from that. They were being cleaned from the things that they got involved with. So Matthew chapter 21, verse 25 reads, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and access. Before I continue, I was, I was doing a study in uh, psychology. It was called the halo effect. So this halo effect was, was about how people look at somebody, and it was just a, a particular study, how people look at somebody and they're like a perfect 10. And because they're a perfect 10, that means they're, they're perfect. They can't be a jerk. Everything got to be right with them. So this is, this is basically that same thing. So the Bible mentions, it is written that when you, basically what I'm trying to explain to you is, I'm giving you an, an analogy. When you, when, you, when you feed a baby, you feed a baby infamous, like baby food, right? You wouldn't give a baby pork chops, hard meat, because their digestive system can't digest it. So as we get older, we start to get hard stuff so our spirit can take it, right? We get the, the good stuff. We don't start to rely on that milk anymore because we're older. So this is basically what I'm explaining and telling you about that, um, the halo effect, okay? When we try to appear perfect, but on the inside, we're, we're mean people. We're, we're harsh. We're, we're criminals. We, we are killers. We're murderers. We're adulterers. We do all these things. We're thieves. So these are the things that God is telling us to draw out from us. So I'm going to read 25 again. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and access. Thou blind Pharisees, clean first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which are indeed, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones, and are, and are of uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So this is again uh, Christ appearing to them and telling them like, you, you're you are trying to make yourself like you're perfect, like white as snow. But on the inside, you're dirty. You're filthy. Back, back in the day, um, there was a physical wilderness. Physical wilderness where the people walk through and they complain like, God this, God that. Moses, how about you do this and pray to God and then, then this and that. They were complaining. There was a physical wilderness. But now, it's the same thing, but now the wilderness is here. So we have a, a big problem. We have a spiritual wilderness that we are not aware of. So we need to be really, really aware of that. So this is what Christ is telling to people. Like, clean yourself. Make clean yourself. Like, be vulnerable. Cry out. Weep. When you hear a baby cry and, uh, at its weakest point, what is it? it cries to mama. It cries to daddy. And you hear that cry. You say, you know what, baby? What is it? What is it that you want? Okay? It feels much better. It feels, feels greater than having, having to um, 
I mean, you, you might have a teacher be at somebody and say, hey, you need to do this. You need to be, you need to be on that. But it, it feels much more marvelous when you have somebody that wants to do it themselves, that chooses freely, that chooses the free will that God gave us and does it freely. I, I can be a, a child. I could be Sarah's child and say, Mom, I want to be a dentist. Or, or Mom, I want to be a child of God. That might make her feel way more marvelous than her saying, come on, let's do this, let's do that, you know? It's, it's this thing that, that Christ is telling us to clean yourself. Clean, your, clean yourself, because right now you're blind. You don't think that you're blind, but you are blind. You don't think that something is wrong with you, but something is wrong. Something is the matter. You got all this luggage, and you, you don't even, you can't even tell. You've grown accustomed to it, and you've accepted, you, you've accepted a means of immobile as a means of transportation. Like, I don't have to move anywhere, I'm blind. But that, that is a problem when we accept it as okay, and it's not okay. We're going on a road to nowhere, but we think we're moving, but we're not moving. So let's change from there. So this is what Christ is talking to the Pharisees and the scribes. Let's go to John 4.34. John 4.34 Okay, so John 34, so when, when Christ is um, getting, ready those, getting rid of those things in us, He's also feeding us at the same time. But mind you, this is not physical food. He's feeding us with spiritual food. Food that He's trying to give us from the beginning, but we can't take it because we're eating other stuff. Other stuff that is not edible, that is not, um, it's not a forward, it's not a forward process. It's not uh, aligned with um, that momentum of faith. It's actually against it. It's actually blinding you. It's actually, um, it's not for you. It's against you. So the things that God gave us, God planted, God made for us to eat naturally and for the body and for the spirit to take naturally. Now it's that we take the unnatural things, but we take it as, we, we, we accept it as, this is natural. Like all this unnatural stuff, oh, it's, it's way of life. It's okay. No, it's not. It's never been that way. And we, we can't grow accustomed and accept it as okay. We've got to be careful. So 34 says, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is... My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me, and to finish His work. But hang on, let, let's back up a little bit. Let's go to uh, verse 32. So, it says, But He said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. So I think at this point, I think the disciples were thinking of, like, thinking of Christ, like, should we get food for Him to eat? And Christ was saying, No, I, I have meat that you don't know that I have of. And this is what he's talking about, the meat. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him out to eat? So they're thinking physically, like, has anybody brought him food to eat? I didn't see anybody bring him food to eat. Has you seen him bring him food to eat? Jesus said to him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, that are, say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. So Christ is telling you already, what I have to eat is spiritual food. 
It's not physical food. It's the same things that He has given us to eat. He's trying to feed us. It's the same thing a father and a mother has been doing for us. He's doing for us. He's that spiritual food that He's given to us. Mm-hmm. So let's move forward and go to Luke 9.3. Luke chapter 9, verse 3. Excuse me. So this is the same connection piece of remembering not to... um, Christ is uh, cleaning us from these things that are bad, bad for our spirit, bad for our minds, and bad for our hearts. Um, Things that come in between us for us to bow down in a day for an hour, 30 minutes, 5 hours, 7 hours, and pray to the living God. And give us, give Him His time. We have all these things that's in front of us, but we don't do it because they are distracting us. They are fighting against us. Okay? So, chapter 9, verse 3, and it says, And He said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staffs, nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. So he's telling his disciples, don't take these things. You don't need them. There's no need to take these things on your journey. You have me. When you have God in you, there is nothing else you need. When Christ came here on the planet, he was what? He was poor. He didn't have nothing at all. What he had was the living God. He had his Father. That was it. That's all he had. So he's telling his disciples, just have me. You don't need to take your script. You don't need to take your money. When you, when you go about, when you preach to people, I will give you what to say. You don't need anything else. So from there, let's go to... Let's go back to John. To John 4. And let's start... Let's start at verse 10. So at this point, um, this is the scripture where Christ is speaking with the Samaritan woman. He goes to the well and he asks her for a drink. And she says, you don't have anything for me to, for, for to draw water. She doesn't know that he's talking about spiritual water, spiritual food. But there's something else that, that is meaningful in this passage because... It's along with what is being spoken about so far that Christ is drawing out what's in our lives. He's saying things that we need to um, address, things that we need to take care of first before we go to Him. It's like if I have a problem with a friend, I will go to that friend and say, Hey, I will reconcile and say, Hey, I am sorry. I really apologize. So then we can move forward together. Otherwise, it's, it's going to be difficult for us to move forward because we have this contention piece together that we need to take care of first. And that's what Christ is saying. We need to take care of these problems in our lives first before we can take a drink of this water. That's right. So, this is what it says. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, 
which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give them shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. Let's continue. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water. Right now she's desiring. She really wants it. That I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. So this is at the point where Christ addresses this issue with her. Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that, and that saidest thou truly. So this is saying, this needs to be taken care of first. Before this, this living water you want to take part in, we got to take care of it. It's the same thing of us going through that wilderness. They needed to take care of something first. They had to get rid of all that stuff before they can continue on. Some of them kept complaining, and some of them were lost. Some of them were, were basically, they were left dead right then and there. And that is something also that I want to, I'll continue on later. But for now, it's Christ drawing out these things within us. And sometimes we have to be afflicted. Sometimes we have to, we have to go through pain. Amen. Have you ever seen the movie, um, The Day the Earth Just Still, or if you read that book, it's about uh, the movie with Keanu Reeves? Well, in that movie, it was about some being or whatever came down and was telling people that the world is going to be wiped out. It's going to be over for mankind. But the point of me mentioning this particular thing is because when he came down, he was talking to the humans, and he said, um, there's a word. Oh, he says, um, uh, pestis, like, this is the end, this is it. And that he was talking to this human, he goes, why is this it? Why can't we fix things? At this point, this human being, he was like, at, he was most vulnerable. He was like trying to figure out, like, please give us a chance. We can, we can do this. We can get it together. But it's at that point where we're at the breaking point that we want to do better. We shouldn't, we, it shouldn't have to get to that point where it's like, That's, this is it. This is the end. It's over. I had enough. The world, humans, is, it's done. It shouldn't have to be that way. But it requires it. So that's why we have to be very, very careful and mindful of the things we get involved with. We get involved with it so much that we can be so far gone, and at the end, time is gone, and then that's it. We don't, we don't see the messages that Christ is telling us to draw out these things. We're ignoring Him. So all these times, Christ is drawing Him out. He's giving us this message like, hey, take care of yourself. You know, take care of your spirit. Treat yourself well. Do well. You know, it's the same thing that John the Baptist was calling out in the wilderness. Make ye straight the path of the Lord. Sure. He was crying out in the wilderness, okay? Make, make this right. Make your heart right. Make your spirit right. Alright, let's go to... Let's go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 8. This is an old Bible. My pages are stuck together. I've been having this Bible since uh, 
since high school. My grandma I was going to buy you one, but when you said your grandmother gave it to yeah, you, yeah, like, yeah, this is like a, this is a very important yeah. important thing. Like, right. I had this in sophomore year of high school. Right. Um, okay, chapter four, verse eight reads. This is that part where it says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Now, to draw nigh to somebody, to get close to someone, you would have to get to know who that person is. Right? So, if I was to, get, if I was to try to get close to Eric, and to get to know Eric, I would also need to know what bothers him and what bugs him. If I walked into his house and I know that it bugs him when I have my feet, when I have my shoes on when I enter and step on his carpet, I would need to step off, right? I would need to address that first, right? Because that would bug him. That would be me drawing near to him. I'm trying to get close to you, get to know you, get to know the things that bug you, get to know the things that bother you, get to know the things you like. What do you like to do? Basketball? What do you like to do? You know, these are the things that Christ is saying. Draw nigh to God. Fix these things in your life. Draw nigh to me. So I'll read that passage again. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. So God wants to get close to you. He wants to get close to you. This is not a mystery. It's not like a. It's not a, a hard saying. He is telling you He wants to get close to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. So this part where it's saying be afflicted, mourn and weep, that part where we cry, we are unleashing a lot. We are unleashing so much where at that point we are vulnerable. And one of the most things that we, when we are vulnerable, that's when the times that we seem to be acceptable to the things that we're, we're trying to, that's trying to be communicated to us. We're receptive to those things then when we have when we unleash all those things. After you cry, then it seems like you're fine, you can communicate just fine. After you get all those things out, it's like um, uh, some of you may understand this part, but when a child gets a whooping or a spanking, or when they get on punishment and they don't want to do that particular thing, it's like uh, 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 you, you understand that part when you cry a lot, you you get rid of it and you go Ma, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm so, so sorry. You know, you, you're, you, now you want to do what's right. You got rid of all that stuff, the disobedience, the hard-headedness, the hard-hearted. And you got rid of all those things, and now you're calm. You're like, Mom, I'm really sorry. Or partner, I'm sorry. Or friend, I'm sorry. You know, now you're ready. But this is the same thing that Christ is saying. Like, we have issues in our life. Christ is preparing us to die, basically. That's what he's getting ready, ready. He's getting us ready to die. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to have this in us, where we're already supposed to pay a debt, but we can't pay it. So Christ came to pay that debt. But in that he's paid in that that he he's preparing us to pay a debt. He took the, the sting out of death, actually, because the death we were supposed to carry on for ourselves as sinners and as criminals. He took that on himself and took the sting out of it. What was supposed to be more painful for us to endure and take, we don't have to go through that. Jesus himself, the Son of God, who was came here perfect, without sin, without blot or blemish, nothing. And he came here vulnerable. He came here, he came here humble. 
Heavenly Father, what thou hast me to do, I will do it, so be it done. Go get my children. Yes, Father, I will do it. And he took on the most painful, excruciating death, what we are supposed to do. But he took this thing out for us. So he is helping us even to do it. Even to, it's like a big brother, father, like he's doing that for us. But there are things we have to do ourselves too. We have to be willing. And we show that we are willing by also taking care of these things ourselves. So I'm going to continue. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Speak no evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if the judge... But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. So the part where it says, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. So Christ is not... He's not... It's not a point where He, he has His finger on you and He wants you to stay there. Like, no... You're going to stay there. It's not, that is not the case. He's saying for us to be humble. And he's going to lift us up. He won't leave us bare and naked. He won't leave us there vulnerable. It's not like, God, I'm hurt. I'm crying. I'm, I'm broken. He's saying, oh, this is necessary because we have these things in our life. And these things get attached to us. But it's hard for us to let it go. When we, when we go about life, and you heard of the, the things where they say, don't be a hoarder. When, when we hoard all these things in our life, God is basically drawing it out. But what's difficult about it is that when we get these things attached to us, and we have all these possessions, and they possess us, that's why Christ is saying, be mindful of these things that you have. I, I'm not saying like it's, it's nothing wrong with having them, but it becomes a problem when it possesses us, and it's hard for, for us to let it go, you know? So that's where it says that when we, when we get, when we become humble and we become uh, low, He lifts us up. That's right. Okay? He exalts us. That's right. He won't leave us alone. He says that He will send a comforter to you. He will not leave you naked. He will not leave you bare. He was naked. Jesus, He was bare. You remember out there how He was being scorned? All the people were... So again, He took that sting. What we were supposed to take... We don't have to because he, I mean, we, we're, there are still things that we have to go through, but he he took care of those things for us. Amen. He took the sting out of death. Amen. So let's go to next. Let's go to um, this is the part where I want to go to. Uh, this is the Ephesians one. So everything that I was mentioning before is about Christ uh, cleansing us. Uh, Christ taking care of these things and telling us that we need to take care of these things. Um, basically, keep your spirit healthy. Keep your spirit healthy in Christ. You know, um, getting rid of those foods that we're um, taking up. Now, when I say foods, I don't necessarily mean physical food. When we go to, when we watch a movie and, it, and it's like in our mind, that's kind of like the food that we're eating. You can also say that's like a doctrine. When we're reading like a certain particular thing, 
and it's drawing you away from, from God, that's like something we're feeding ourselves other than the spiritual food that, that God will have for us. Excuse me. So, um, after talking about and mentioning those things, that Christ is going about like drawing these things out of us and then feeding us then the spiritual food. I'll, I'll give you an example. When Jonah was broken, he, he was at this lowest point, he was in the well, the well brought him down, he was telling you how he felt, he was in hell, he was at the depths of all the, all the sea and everything, he felt that he was, this is him. So he was at his lowest point, Christ brought him up. Christ brought him up, the fish spat him out, and that's when he said, I'm going to do what God told me to do. He was ready, he was willing to do what God had him do. What would take a man three days journey to get to Vin, um, Nineveh, it took him one journey. It took him one day journey. So he didn't have those things in his mind. At that particular moment he, moment, he didn't have, I don't want these people to be saved. He didn't have that in his mind. He, what was in his mind is what God told him to do. He might have expressed it afterwards like, I knew that you were exceeding merciful God and I knew that you would have mercy on him. He may have expressed it afterwards, but when that, in that moment, he got done what God told him to do. So, and what would I say? Ephesians. Yeah, Ephesians 1. I need to get there myself. Okay, so in vision, Ephesians, let's move on and move to this part, Ephesians. So, this part particular is important because there is an end. There is very much an end. We do not live forever. We all know that. Um, and if we don't know that, we are reminded every day that there is an end. But within this time period that we are alive and that Christ, thanks be to the living God, that Christ continues to send prophets, He sends people day after day to get people and send messages, there is an end. Okay? And in that time period, He prays for us, grace be unto you, peace be unto you, from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That happens throughout, throughout I say throughout Romans. Throughout Romans that happens from the very first chapter, if you study it and read it, Every first chapter from Romans on, it greets you and says, Grace be unto you, from God the Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. So stay, let's stay on Ephesians, but I'm going to go to Romans. Okay, so Romans, it reads, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separating to the gospel of God, which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the, to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Now this is where it says it. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's move on to the next book. You stay, go ahead and stay in Ephesians. Now let's read this one. I'm going to go ahead and skip uh, the first verse and go to the second verse in Corinthians. And to the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus, Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. 
Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's another one. Book after book after book after book after book. It's being said that grace be unto you. Peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So they're praying for us. Praying on, our, praying on their behalf that there's grace be unto you. So if we continue, let's, let's go ahead and... Um, I'm going to skip Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. I'm going to skip Galatians. And we're going to go to Ephesians. So I want you to look at that and where it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesians. To the saints which are at Ephesians, Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we skip and keep going, book after book after book, from Romans all the way to Revelations. Let's go to Revelations. First chapter of Revelations. Now, first chapter of Revelations, this is the very last time that it says, Grace be unto you, from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we think about grace, when we think about peace, those are really wonderful things. Those are things that we always... Um, we preach unto others to be peace, peace, you know, peaceful into the world, peaceful around ourselves, have peace in ourselves, and have that in us, have grace and have peace. But the opposite of peace is war. Okay, and you can say the opposite of grace is like chaos, confusion, you know, a lot of um, disorder, uh, disorganization. So this is the last time where it talks about peace, and it, it prays for us. Have peace. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to shew unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel, and, to, and unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins and his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Now this is where the parts where you can say uh, the mood changes just like that. So it talks about, throughout this time, it talks about peace being to you, grace being to you, and then it gets serious, okay? Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. And this is where it starts. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. So this is where it talks about, where it, I guess, uh, where it no longer mentions anymore, peace and grace. This is, where part, this is the part where it gets to the things that shall shortly come to pass. So we don't know how much time we have 
to draw, continue doing our best to draw out these things. What, what I'm trying to, t- what is being tied into and uh, to be said is continue that momentum. Once you start, once you've already drawn out the things, don't look back. You know, it's, it's just like in, um, uh, got the, the, the scripture that we started out with when he said, I left those things behind and I moved forward. We, we continue that momentum and we continue going. That's it. We leave the, what those things left behind us, we let it go. It's gone. Okay? We moved on, we move along, and we're ready for Christ. We have Him in our mind. We, we're not stuck in this wilderness up here. We're not stuck in this wilderness up here because we have Jesus here. We have Jesus here. Amen. So we're ready. So the moment when He says, um, when we know that there's no more peace, we know the reason why. We know the reason why because it's the time. Okay? The wind is no longer held from the four corners. It's, it's time. Okay? It's, it's no longer, it's, it's no different from when the angels came and they told Abraham and they told um, Lot, get away from this, this city. It's about to be destroyed. And do not look back. That's right. Do not look back. The moment they look back, you will be turned into a pillar of salt. Don't look back. And what happened? We can't look back. We are going to freeze ourselves. We're going to turn ourselves into something that we don't want later on. So we got to remember to stay on that path of uh, momentum that Christ has already given us. He, he is the um, author and finisher of our faith. That's right. So what he's given us before from what we were, when we were children, we're supposed to keep that innocence. You know? And let's say that we, we get things um, on us throughout our life. From today, from the time that we had then, from today, we have the time that we are given today to get, take care of those things, draw it out, and move forward. That's it, and don't look at it. Okay? That's it. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Well, definitely an awesome message because we really do know what it is to, we have to know what it is to stay going forward. Jesus said, for them that will uh, turn back and don't keep their hands to the plow, that they're not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. So everything our brother James says is absolutely true. You know, God's word will say this again and again and again, that there's nothing more important than the will of God. Uh, let's go to Matthew 11. Then from there, my brother Carlin's going to present. We're going to get something to eat. So I just want to go to Matthew 11 real quick, because, you know, as Peter says, Jesus is a rock of offense. And I think one of the toughest things for us, if we don't check ourselves and really know what lies deep is, you can be offended in the word of God. Now, if you were to take a a brick and throw it in a pack of dogs, it's the dog that gets hit is the one that's going to holler, the one that's going to yell. And, you know, my brother James also brought up a good point that sometimes the Lord is pulling things out of us. That, That hurt or that sting may be just for a little bit. But the overall goal is to be cleansed in Christ. And if the devil has owned us for so long, and then we get the glorious light of Jesus Christ that comes upon us, and, and, you know, it might seem rude because it's like someone taking an LED light and you've been standing in the dark saying, hey, what's going on in here? You know, so you want to be able to get that, but that's just the beginning. But once that light is shed, once the darkness has been moved from your life, then the sting will go away. Because you understand what the truth in Jesus Christ actually is. So, you know, through much tribulation, what does it say in, um, in uh, Acts 14? That no man 
will come into the kingdom of God except through tribulation. So this is guaranteed. And these are things that we need to really have taken out of our lives. Because a lot of us think we like Jesus, man. If we didn't change certain things in us, Jesus would be, you know, like anyone who's preaching the gospel. All right, so uh, Matthew 11 and verse 1, and it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? So, you know, this has been brought up before. John is having his moment of doubt, even though he fulfilled the will of God. Verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto him, Go and shew John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So Jesus wasn't just talking about what was going on, about him being the one. Jesus showed that he had power. He said, man, look at the miracles. Look at what I've done. This ought to tell you that I'm fulfilling what, what the prophecy is. Then he says, um, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. So that meant that Jesus could actually offend just by bringing forth the truth. The truth itself is evil in a wicked society. But he says in verse 7, And as he departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. So this ought to tell you that Jesus was a man. You know, something that the world is offended by today because everyone's pushing the effeminized man, the sensitive man, the soft man. I can't hear a man unless he's sounding like a woman. Jesus spoke as one with authority. So his words would have cut to the quick. He said, my words are spirit and they are life. And he was addressing a world that was housed in flesh. So he's saying, man, John the Baptist didn't come as some, come to the Lord, my brothers. The time to repent is at hand. He wasn't a Shakespearean actor. John said, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, John, of course, didn't smell good. He lived in the wilderness. He ate locusts and honey. He had camel's fur. I mean, he probably stank. I mean, you know, Elijah sitting in the wilderness probably stank. Jesus fasting for 40 days probably stank. So we can't go according to what we see with our eyes as what is godly and what is righteous. Is what's being said true? That's right. And that's what we need to really focus on. So he's saying, man, these guys are in king's palaces. Verse 9. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women... There has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So him who can throw himself down at the mercy seat or throw himself down at the altar as a broken vessel for Christ to fill, this individual is greater than John the Baptist. Then he says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, 
The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. So the Lord is saying here that the kingdom of heaven has always suffered, but there was no way that they were getting into that promise unless they fought their way in. There's nothing wrong with a Christian fighting his way in. There's nothing more, there's nothing bad about a Christian that decides to take the fight to the enemy believing in Jesus Christ. Now, I know everyone preaches pacifism, but I mean, come on. How many times has the word soldiers done here? You think the devil is just going to let you walk into the kingdom of God? The three things that we have to get past is the world, the flesh, and the devil. We like to refer to the world as the matrix. Do you know your mind fights every day to believe that this is not reality? When you're seeking Christ, the world keeps telling you, no, this is what it is. This is real. But Paul talks about the things that are invisible are eternal. The things that are visible are temporal. So why would we put all our stock here? And this is what Jesus was telling us to do is to not set up treasures where moth and rust corrupt, moth and rust, or thieves break through and steal. But we're supposed to be storing treasure in heaven because eternal life is the only thing that matters. But if you think the devil's just going to let you just cruise on in, it's not going to happen. We are going to have to put the pedal to the metal and fight our way into the kingdom. So from here, my brother Carl is going to present. Um, and after that, I think we'll each, Sarah will present after that. You okay with that? Yeah. All right. So we'll just do that then. Thanks. showing you guys a little bit why this is beneficial for you but um i don't know where james is i was about to look at him but um like james was saying the momentum carrying that so does anybody in here know what um fervent means i don't know it's not a like very common word fervent. Free. yeah fervent well um i'm sure uh show of hands like i bet you guys know what zealous is right yeah, yeah, so this is a common word. It's pretty much the same thing. But a fervent, so it's intently, without ceasing. It's a passion, a warmth of a feeling. And as like a verb, um, it's to be hot, even to the point of boiling or like the glowing of solids and liquids. So that's what I'm going to be talking a little bit about, being fervent inside the spirit or zealous. So I'm going to have you guys start off in Hebrews 6 and 1. So, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptism and of the laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. So just like James was saying too, there's none of that black sliding back into an old way of life. Christ wants us to be able to be able to lay hands on people, people be healed from being sick and all the miracles that he did, that's what he wants for all of us, his disciples. That's right. 
For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the world to come, if they shall fade away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So this is kind of like continuing to do what you were doing and then the Lord has came in and you've been enlightened and then you're slipping back and back and consistently having to repent and repent and not saying that we shouldn't all be repenting because we are sinners, you know. But going back into a life of sin where the Holy Ghost has already intervened in your life and you're slipping back into that. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh off upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessings from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation through we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, so labor, so fervent, laboring, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints, and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, and then slothful is just sluggish or lazy, mm -hmm. but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So a little bit, um, you guys don't have to, but I'm going to switch back to Acts and just give like a brief summary of Jesus' words about those promises that we should be receiving mm -hmm. through our salvation. So it's Acts 26 and 18 for people who like to flip around. So uh, I'm going to start at 17. So delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So Jesus wants us to progress, like we said, moving forward, and he wants us to be light in this world, light for people and light for the other lost souls. All right, so back to Hebrews, we'll go to 10 and 39. Oops, 10 and 31. Alright, so it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction. Partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, or kind of like a spectacle, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that, sh that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my, sh my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that to the saving of the soul. 
so perdition is kind of like back into the life of destruction, and that's like um, kind of what James is saying too. Or actually, I think Derek said it about the narrow way. There's only one way to our salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's right. Amen. So uh, I'm going to have you guys jump over to Galatians. We're going to be get to know get to know our Bible today for sure. Galatians 3. Sorry, I wanted to get that first. So I'm just kidding. 3 and 1. Um, right. So, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes? Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learned of you, received ye the Spirit by the words of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? So this is um, just talking about, too, once you receive the Spirit, you're going to start feeling, I guess, a much more confidence, a, a burning, you know. But that's not to say that you receive that Spirit, and then you get to go back and do whatever you want, you know. You're supposed to obey that Spirit and yield to what it's telling you to do. And you're not supposed to gain that confidence back in your flesh, because our confidence isn't in our flesh. It should be in our spirit, because we know that this body... Is, it's going to decay, it's going to rust away like the rest of the world. So, have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you in the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of the faith? So the law is what Moses brought, and it's not to say that it's not good, you know, it, um, it helps to bring judgment, and helps people see what God really wants for, wants for us as people of the Lord, people of the living God, you know. But um, you can't do these miracles if you're constantly in your flesh. You have to be fervent. You have to be zealous about the Spirit, and that way you can work these miracles. And so I'm going to have you guys jump into Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor or humble in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Just like James is saying, we should be mourning and repenting and being vulnerable to the Lord. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. So this is that hunger and thirst that we should be chasing after fervently or zealously in the Lord Jesus Christ. So blessed are the merciful, for they shall attain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see. So the pure of heart, just like James is saying, let the Lord cleanse you. Let your hands off the world and be cleansed. That's right. It's easy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward 
in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, or you can look at that as your, your passion, you know, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So obviously a light is burning bright. And I told you a little bit earlier that um, little bit about fervence. So that bright light coming from inside in your spirit should be shining clear through your eyes, which are your lamps of the body. So, sorry, I'm did I read 16? I'm on 17 I'll read 16 again. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So, now I'm going to have you guys jump over to Romans 12. 12 and 10. Dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to which is good. So this world, evil, God, Jesus, good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honoring, preferring one another. So we should love our neighbors as ourselves and actually every person you come into contact with, obviously if you see them like controlled by some force or something like that, but this will be hard, but you should still do this. But every person that we come into contact with, we should esteem higher than ourselves, you know? That's how you love somebody as yourself. And if you're lazy in your walk, if you're not in your spirit, it's going to be so easy to be like, I don't want to talk to this person right now. You know, like, it's true. It's the truth. I'm not saying I haven't been there. I definitely do. I work at Trader Joe's in retail. There's plenty of times where I'm just like, I see somebody I can already see, you know, in my spirit. Like, I don't want to deal with this person, but I need to. So not slothful, once again, in business, Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. All right. So I'm going to have you guys jump over to First Corinthians, and it'll be two and nine. But it is, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. 
For the Spirit searcheth all things, even deep things of God. So with this, the Spirit's inside of us. It's always revealing things to us, and we're supposed to have the mind of Christ through it. If we're constantly living in our flesh, how are we supposed to think that, like, this is, like, kind of talking about the law, too. If we're just religious, if we just, like, know all the scriptures and, like, spit them out, but have no real relationship with Christ, then, I mean, there's not much. Like, not that those aren't important, you know. The Bible is super important, and the law is super important. But, but God hath revealed them unto us by a spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, he the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Alright, now I'm going to have you guys jump over. This is couple 6 and 17. Still in Corinthians. What is it uh, 6 and 17. We're still in Corinthians. Oh, great. But he that is joined unto the Spirit, oh, he that is joined unto the Lord is one Spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have God, and ye are not your own? So right here, our temple is for the Lord. We're here alive, but we're supposed to get rid of self and let the Holy Ghost fill us up so we can be just like Jesus. For ye are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So continuing to stay fervent, zealous in that spirit. And how do you do it, just like what we're doing now, putting off our food for a little bit and focusing on the Lord. But anyways, um, so we'll go over a little bit to 12.3, still in Corinthians. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So this is kind of blasphemy, but for me, even talking a little bit about um, going back with, um, like, getting the Spirit inside of you and how it's saying that it's impossible if you're enlightened to slip back. And this is because this is a true relationship with you. You understand God on a personal level. So you relate to him, you have his thoughts, and you understand what your sin really means and what it feels like. You feel what he feels. You have a deep, loving heart. And this is staying consistent and zealous in your spirit. So now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit. 
to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one, the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severely as he will. So I notice like a lot of people will pray and pray. Well, I guess, what am I trying to say? So a lot of people will just get into prayer and just constantly say the same thing over and over. And it's not like the more you say the same thing over and over, Jesus will finally be like, okay, he said it 1,575 times. There it is, you know. <laughs> it's not like that. He hears you every single time, you know. Right. He hears you. So there might be things that you need to do. And this is cutting away from the world and letting the Lord fill you up. And trust me, when you cut away from those things that are keeping you held to this world, the Lord sees that. He's right there. He's like, oh, that prayer that you forgot about. And then he'll surprise you. Never know. Alright, so we're going to go to Corinthians 14 and 12. So, even so, ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to edifying of the church. So I just really like this scripture because so many people are like, oh man, I want to prophesy. Like, that'd be so cool, you know, and I'm guilty of that for sure. Like, I think that would be super cool, you know. We should all, we should all pray for that, I believe. But another thing, too, is just like, I guess, the gift of healing, you know. How important is that as well? So I like that it says the edifying, which is kind of the building up of the church, you know. So it says, like, seek after zealously spiritual gifts that... Help others, you know, and this is like loving that brother more than thyself. Alright, and um, so we'll go to 2 Corinthians now. And 2 Corinthians 5 and 5. Now he that hath wrought us with self same thing is God who also hath given us unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So this is still like saying, fervent in your spirit, letting, understanding that this is just a temple, that's eventually will fade away, but it's God's temple. But we're supposed to be present with the Lord in our spirit so we can commune. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. So this spirit that we're talking about is going to keep us good. It doesn't want us in it. It's close to us. It's inside of us. It loves God. It's, a, it's our direct connection to Him. Alright, we're going to have the, gonna have you guys jump over to Corinthians 7 and 7. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire 
So earnest desire also goes with fervent. Your mourning, like we said, your fervent mind toward me so that I rejoice the more. So the fervent mind toward me, um, this is the type of attitude that I think that we should have towards like, I mean, people that have been walking a lot longer in Christ and they might tell you something, you know, and for you, it might be like a little bit harder to understand and like once you hear it like it's gonna hit hard sometimes and it's like man like I don't know about that you know like I'm a good person or whatever but right here we should have a desire for that correction because that's what the Lord does for us all the time whether we're hearing it or not that's what he's trying to get through to he wants us perfect and it goes so much deeper than just being a good person you know alright so now I'm gonna go to Romans 12 and 10 I'm going to go to John 3 and 6. <laughs> or first, first John, I'm sorry. About <laughs> to try to drill the point. I almost read it to you guys anyways, but I know you're hungry. Well, with that said, it's Romans 12 and 10. So if you guys want to look at it, some other time look at it. But, um, so, John, what did I tell you guys? I think I told you guys wrong. I'm sorry. First John 3 and 16. That's, that's the one. All right. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So, God loves us. We're supposed to love our neighbors. And with that... We're able to edify each other by loving each other. All right, I'm going to have you guys jump over to first down four, two, and three. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now is it in the world. So even now the Antichrist is here. So when our spirits come in and we finally open ourselves up to the Holy Ghost, we need to make sure that it is the Holy Ghost, which, I don't know, for me, like, without studying your Bible putting that relationship, the devil can easily sneak in there and be like, oh, it's okay, you know, like, this isn't that bad, you know, but you just gotta try the spirit. Alright, I'm gonna have you guys jump over to 4 and 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. 
And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we know, and we have known and believed the love of, sorry. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Wherein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. This is, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So kind of talking about that person walking down the street that you're like kind of dreading, like you know you should go talk to him, but you know. I mean, honestly, you're not really dreading that person. It's, when it, it's what's inside of them that you're dreading. That's right. And if you're someone of Christ, then you know that he loves you, you know? Like, and if you said Jesus, you know, if you, it says in the scripture that if you claim Jesus as Christ, you're of God, you know? The other spirit is antichrist. I wouldn't want to deal with that. So really that person that's being like sucked in or pulled down by that thing really needs your light, like we're talking about. Hereby know we that the dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of the Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in him dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Have you guys jump over to First Peter one and twenty two? It's not too far. Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart, fervent, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So now I'm going to have you guys actually 
I'm going to read you guys something real quick in John. It's John 8 and 47, if you guys like jumping back there. But I'm almost there. Um, so John 47. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. So I don't know. Um, I think it's super important, like, like I'm saying, to stay zealous and fervent and being in the spirit. Because, I mean, truly, if you really are working on a relationship with Christ, like, you should hear from God daily and, you know, on a regular basis. And if you haven't in a while, then he's probably waiting for you to come to him. But, okay. And with that, I'm going to go to First Peter 4 and 4. Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of wrath, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watchful under prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. So this is a strong burning love among us. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. So it just sounds like, like we said, one of the commandments, you know, like love thy God with all mind, body, and heart. Love thy neighbor as thyself. So right there. And that pure heart shall keep you blameless. Right. So I'm going to have you guys jump over to James 5. save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So that strong prayer of actual true, true connection in the spirit is the prayer of someone righteous, not just constantly babbling over and over again, you know. Alright, I'm going to do Colossians 4 and 12. You guys don't have to chant. Go there. You guys can go to John 13. saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect 
and complete in all the will of God. And I know some people like look at these names and be like, oh, these are like old biblical names. Like, how am I ever supposed to do that? But it says his name, but if we keep reading, it says servant of Christ. And that's exactly what we are, sons of God. We're servants of Christ. And like it said, we're supposed to be doing the things and building Christ in us so we can do those things. And there's only one way to do it, and that's putting your work in with the Lord. Amen. So, um, I told you guys to go to John, right? I'm going to read something in Galatians real quick. This is Galatians 4.18. But it is good to be zealously effective, always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. So this is actually somebody talking to the church, but we should see this as Jesus' words. But it is good to be zealous, always effective in a good thing, which is Christ, and not only when I am present with you. So you could take this into like your work situation, I don't know, when like the clock's starting to run down or something and like you find yourself like, oh man, I got two minutes left, like what am I going to do in like two minutes, you know? But you're supposed to say zealous to the bitter end because this is just like spiritual warfare, you know? Like it's, you're constantly always going to be wearing down and like the second you let your guard down, that's when the devil wants to jump in and bring you back to square one, you know? That's right. But, uh, all right, so John 4 and 13. John 4 and 13. And James actually went over this a little bit too. But Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of his water, of this water, shall thirst again. So this is just regular water from a rock. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up in the everlasting life. So this is eternal. This is forever. And... So, I'll have you guys jump over to Thessalonians. I'm almost done. I only got a couple more. So, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16. Alright, so, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Jesus Christ concerning you. Quench not the spirit. So this quench not the spirit is basically quench is what? Like putting out a fire, you know? So this fervent fire of the spirit that's inside of you, we aren't supposed to quench it. And things that can quench it is when it's telling you to jump and you're not jumping, you know? You need to listen to what it's saying. And it might seem like small. It could be like something like, I don't know, like maybe it wants you to give up like cookies or something. I'm not speaking for myself or anything, but uh, and it could be that small, but you never know, like, I don't know, like giving up that amount of sacrifice for you might like push you into the next level or maybe he's trying to prevent you from like an even bigger thing that obviously you can't see because he's God. He knows everything. You know? We need to obey that spirit inside of us because everything that he does is for our benefit. 
So I'm going to close out in Revelation 3.19. So as many as I love, I rebuke. And chasten, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also came and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that had the near, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And then one last one, go to Revelation 22 and 16. Jesus have set mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root of the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say come, and let him that heareth say come, and let him that is the thirst come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly, Amen. Even so come the Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. guys for my poor planning we should have eaten two hours ago hour and a half so let's just do that now and um when we come back sarah's going to present and i'll conclude from there all right so we're going to have sarah uh present last and then i'm going to conclude with a few words and we should get out of here testimony is something that in everything that we do, everywhere that we are, whether it's at the grocery store, at work, in the dog park, everywhere that we are, if we know that Jesus Christ lives in us, then we should be a living testimony for Jesus Christ in everything that we do. And it really is a nature change in us when the Lord saves us out of things that we have done. It is a nature change. It is something that we should want to do. Even if we're not the greatest at it in the beginning, it should be something that we strive to do every day. 
through. Lord, help me to be better at this. Lord, use me. Lord, cleanse me out so these things can happen in my life, so I can be that living testimony. So when others see me, they're not seeing me, but they're seeing Christ in me. And we're going to see some things that it takes to be a living testimony for Jesus Christ. So first, I'm going to have everyone go to Psalm 71. Jake is happy over Psalms. I know. I love Psalms. <laughs> Sorry, sir. Hey, you're fine. Psalm 71 and verse 1. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. So the first thing that we're going to look at here is to be a testimony for Jesus Christ is we have to put our trust in Him fully. In everything that we do, we have to trust the Lord. I know that it was brought up that like Carlin brought up, you know, we might get frustrated in, in someone coming up to us and the Lord intends for us to talk to that person. And we may not really feel like it at the moment, but we trust the Lord. We put our trust in Him. And if we do so, it will change us. It will be, okay, Lord, you know, I'm not really feeling this right now, but I know that there's a reason for why you have me here. We trust the Lord. Let me never be put to confusion. There is a lot of confusing things in the world today. and Some people don't know exactly what I should put my trust in. Well, we know it's in the Lord. But if someone is new to the Word or if they've never heard it before, then they may be confused. They have their trust in false ideologies. They have their trust in false religions. They may have trust in self which in and of itself is a religion, it's the new age, they may put their trust in a, um, they may put their trust in a particular, you know, skin color. So it, what we're asking here is, Lord, do not let me be confused. Show me the way that I should go. All right, verse 2. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me, and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I continually resort. So here it is saying here, we'll read it again, verse 3. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. So this here is saying that the Lord is our strength, and we continually go to Him in everything. We may be at work dealing with a situation. Maybe there's a co-worker that doesn't particularly like us for some reason. Of course, it's the spirit within us. If they're not in the same spirit, it's never our, our physical flesh against someone else's physical flesh. It's always spirit going against spirit. And that's something that we have to understand because if you're at work, and this person may not like you for a particular reason. You have to understand, it is not us, but it's the fact that we have Christ in us. And if that person doesn't like us for that reason, we can talk to them about the Lord if they so desire. But we pray. 
And as it's been taught on before, we have patience. We have patience that we go forward and do what the Lord has us to do. You pray for that person. You don't get mean at that person. You don't get mad at that person. We continue to do what we do for the Lord. And that they that person may be transformed into the image of Christ by the way that we live. It's that testimony in us. <laughs> Alright, um, the rest of the verse 3. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. So here it is, is that we stand upon the rock of Jesus Christ, and he is our fortress, which means he will place his protection around us. Verse 4. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and the cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art... Thou art my trust from my youth. So thou art my thou art my trust from my youth. So if children are raised in the scripture and they know the truth of the scripture, there is a good chance and possibility that when they get older, they will continue into it and pray and seek the Lord. Unfortunately, today, because of how the school system is, that's you know, kind of hard to do. I mean, not to say that the parents cannot do it, of course. Of course the parents can do it, but there is a spirit battle between your children because they're getting the world at school and they're getting the truth at home. And you have to pray for your children. You may even have to rebuke some demons out of your children at times because of that conflict. They spend 18 hour, 8 or 10 hours in the world, then they come home and that's what they are. They may come home with a bad attitude or, you know, what's wrong with you today? Oh, my friend, you know, he said some really mean things about me or he wouldn't do this. Or I had a friend that, you know, this happened over here. And they also have to be bathed in the Holy Spirit. It's not just us. If we have family or those with children or, you know, if you have family that's living in your house, extended family, I mean, it's the same thing, right? They, we all have to be bathed in the Holy Spirit. But if it happens from when they're youth up, then there's that chance that they will stick with it. You know, we don't know. Who's, who, who are we to say if a kid's going to church and they're acting all riled and ruckus or whatever, that it's not going to stick with them when they get older? You know, I was raised in church till the age of 23. Got out on my own, lived like the world for about 10, 13 years. My mom told me, she said, we prayed for you these whole 10, 13 years that you were out in the world. And then the Lord came to me and my life was changed. Now, I had to want it, but it was the fact that I, you know, it didn't really stick with me, but there was a foundation laid out for me when I was in church. You know, and some kids today, because of how the school system is, is starting younger and younger that they are not getting spiritually fed. So when they grow up, they don't know about Jesus Christ. It's not in them like it was in us when we were kids. So it's being removed from them. So we have to keep the youth in, in Jesus Christ because he is also their fortress. you know. And so they have to be raised in that to know him. Because it says here, I trusted in you from my youth. So let's ver look, verse 6. By thee have I... Been upholding, holding up from the womb. 
Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. So he's praising the Lord. Everything that he does, he's praising the Lord. Lord, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me today, but I'm going to praise you anyways, because you provide for me. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, but you know how what's going to happen here. So I'm going to praise the Lord anyways. Because that's the one thing that the enemy is trying to take away from everyone who claims to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, is trying to take away our praise. And we cannot let that happen. We praise the Lord anyways. You get let go from your job, praise the Lord, because now he's going to place you somewhere else. You know, you run out of gas on the side of the road, well, Lord, I know you've got a plan for this. Praise the Lord anyways. So that's the thing. The devil does not want us praising the Lord. He wants us to get frustrated. He wants us to get mad. He wants to say, why would God allow this to happen? Well, the truck driver that's coming up that needs to hear about the Lord, that's why he allowed it. <laughs> so we got to praise the Lord at all times. All right, verse 7. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me when forsake me not when my strength faileth. So, as it has been said, there's going to come a time this physical body is going to win, it's going to wither away. All right. But what it is saying here is that when we get older in our age, when our youth fails us, we still need to be Christ-minded in everything that we do. Okay. And so, because if we believe in the Lord and everything, eventually, one day, we will have new bodies. There will not be any hurt anymore. There won't be any gray hair or lack of hair or, you know, wrinkles. <laughs> we will have heavenly bodies. But even with these that we have, even though that it, there's going to come a time when these physical bodies do wither away, our strength fails us, we still have to be upholding the name of Jesus in everything that we do, no matter what. Verse 10. For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay and wait for my soul take counsel together. So there's always enemies. Satan's got his enemies everywhere. They're always constantly laying in wait. Verse 11. Saying, God hath forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. We are living in that day and age, and it's only going to get worse, where individuals are saying, well, God must have forgotten about them, so we're not going to worry about it. We're just going to persecute them because, you know, they're not speaking the truth anyways. Well, they're going to see what the truth is when Jesus Christ comes back with his angels, pulls back the veil. There ain't going to be no argument then. Okay, this is going to happen. No one, no one in office can stop prophecy. What the Bible says is going to happen is going to happen. Okay, the reason why the Lord is giving us time and space is so individuals will come to know him. And so if anything in our life is not right, we can get it right in Jesus Christ. So we can be made perfect. There is a perfection level that we can get to. It's that sanctification process. But we've got to be willing to give up this world. Any idols. Anything in the flesh. 
Anything that keeps us from having that relationship with Jesus Christ that we all need to have, that includes me, we got to give it up. And that's why he's not come back yet. And there's also biblical prophecy that has to be fulfilled first. But it is so we can be that living testimony to the world. So it's not going to be 10,000s or a million people. The body is very thin, but we don't know who's coming to Christ and who isn't. Jesus Christ said, go out and to preach the gospel to every creature. And that means every living and breathing individual needs the gospel. Amen. So that is, how we, that is why we're supposed to be that living testimony. Because a question was brought to me one day, I think it was about Hollywood actors or something like that. And someone said, well, do they deserve to go to heaven or not? And I said, well... They deserve the gospel just like anyone else does. You know, we don't know whether someone's going to heaven or hell until they take that last breath. Until they physically leave or spiritually leave this earth. That's when the options are over. But while they are still here, they need the gospel. Verse 12. O oh God, be not far from me. O oh my God, make haste for help for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually, and I will yet praise thee more and more. So again, there's that praise that we have to continually to, to have. Even when those that are against us come against us, we praise the Lord anyways. Because we don't know that those that are coming against us are praising the Lord to change their lives. Okay, it has happened. It happened with the disciples continuously over and over and over again. They considered the persecution like their badge of honor. Like, man, I'm more like Christ now. All right, this is cool. You know, I really like this. And today, you know, we get a hang now and we're like, oh, Lord, why me? You know? So, and the Lord's not going to put more on us than what we can handle. He knows what we can handle, okay? But it should not be something that we're afraid of. Because the scripture says that persecution is going to happen to us. And it's something that we really need to wrap our minds around that this is going to happen. So, when it does, we're not taken back by it. We're not afraid of it. We're not scared of it. It doesn't like basically give us a heart attack if something happens that is outside of our normal thinking process. So it's something that we need to understand is, is that, let's say for happen chance, I get thrown in prison for something about preaching the gospel of Christ. Now, if that were to happen to me, I can't look at it as, Lord, why did you allow this to happen to me? I have to look at it as the fact that the Lord's placed me here for a particular reason, particular purpose I need to, to talk to people about Jesus Christ he will protect me he will use me in every situation that's how we all have to look at it in every situation Absolutely. all right um, verse 15 my mouth shall shew forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day for I know not the numbers thereof so he's saying, I don't know the numbers of my days on this earth. Only Jesus Christ knows it. We're not promised tomorrow. You know, everyone's talking about end times, end times. And yes, it is good to be talking about the end times, but our end time can be tonight. 
Are we ready to meet Jesus Christ tonight yes, if we are to pass away this very evening? Yes, Several weeks ago, the Lord gave me a vision. And part of the vision was that I believed I stopped breathing during my sleep. And then I woke out of it because my chest area felt very compressed. And I think if you suffocate, your chest area can, you know, compresses, so there's that hurt in there. And I came out of it, and I started praying. I said, okay, Lord, what was the reason behind this? And he told me, you haven't done everything that I need you to do. And if you are to die tonight, you won't be with me in heaven. And he gave me that. From that day forward, I've been doing my best. It's not been perfect in every way yet, but I've been doing my best to draw closer to the Lord. And after he gave me that, I really realized the seriousness of it, that we can't just be saying, all right, Lord, I'm ready to meet you. Are we really ready to meet the Lord? Because if we're not, that's something that we really need to think about. We can't have this false ideology that we're ready to meet Christ in everything that we do when the Scripture says that there's a specific list of things that we need to be doing before we enter into the kingdom of heaven. And it is, number one, we can't have any idols. Idolatry is going to be one of the biggest things that keeps people out of the kingdom of heaven. Sure. And idolatry can be anything or anyone. Amen. All right, so verse 16. I will, get, I will go into the strength of of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed my strength unto this generation, and thy power to everyone that is to come. So what he is saying here is, is that he wants to stay here until everyone that he comes in contact with, he has, taught, he has told them about the Lord. He has shown forth his power and his strength. And that's something that we should all be wanting and willing to do in every aspect. Verse 19, Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Who has done great things, O God, who is like unto thee? So he is praising the he's praising God here, he's praising Jesus Christ here, saying, There is no one like unto God. So it doesn't matter if some religion tries to come up and say, you know, we, we we're pretty powerful in the things that we do. Um, why don't you come over and seek us or seek what we're after and say, Bible says here, Oh God, who was like unto thee? So no one is above Jesus Christ. No matter how much the enemy tries to tell us that you yourself can be a god, you yourself can do all these things, it's not true. It's just a tactic of the enemy to keep us away from the greatness that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who created the heavens and the earth. Alright, verse 20. Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles, shalt quicken me again, which means shall make me alive again. And shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp. 
O thou Holy One of Israel. So he's saying here with musical instruments, he's going to praise the Lord. Now, there's nothing wrong with musical instruments as long as it's being used in the right setting. Praise to the Lord. Not acid rock concerts in the name of Jesus Christ because <laughs> that John Todd told, uh, you know, he was a... He was a man of the 70s who came out and he talked uh, uh, you know, against a lot of things that were going wrong. He was talking about that. and uh, But as, if it's doing the right praise unto the Lord, then there's nothing wrong with musical instruments. Verse 23, My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long. For they, are com com for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame, they that, see that seek to hurt me. So he's saying here that continuously every day, he's talking about the Lord's righteousness, what the Lord's done for me. Can I tell you how the Lord has helped me? Can I tell you how the Lord has changed my life, how he brought me out of a life of sin? Maybe there's individuals that have come out of sexual abuse or drug abuse or alcohol abuse or any kind of abuse. I know what you're going through. And moreover, Jesus Christ knows what we're all going through. He's the one that came here and paid that price for us. He came in here in our flesh, our stinking flesh that we have on. He came out of righteousness to put this flesh on to do what only he could do. And that was to take our sins to the cross 2,000 years ago. So we could come to know him. In everything that we do. And this is something that the enemy is trying to keep people away from. Is the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you try and talk to them about. The Lord can give you joy like no other person. He can give you peace like no one else. You try and talk to them about it. And what do they do? Oh, I think I'll be alright. I've got my fifth of liquor at home that keeps me company every night. And I think that, that that's not going to do it. You know, I was in that life. And I know that that's what not does it. Okay? That will not do it. It's, they call it, it's an out that deals with your pain. But that's not what it is. Because the demon in them, that spirit of rejection, or that spirit of hurt, or whatever it is that is within them, wants to kill them. And wants to kill them quick. And doesn't want them to have any joy or peace in the Lord. So you go home and you start down in the booze and you, you take your car out before you know it. You're wrapped around a light pole. And that's it. Okay? That is the end. And that's what continuously talking about the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ can pull out of somebody. Because there's individuals out there today who are hurting. Who have been through abuse. They've been molested as children. And now when they get up and they get older, they say that the gender that they are is not right. And they've got to go pick another one. Because that's how they feel that they should be. No, the Lord can make you and restore you to wholeness. He can restore you to the person that He has created you to be. Amen. Alright, also, um, Psalm 22 and 22, I'm just going to read that real quick. I will declare my, thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. So it's also saying to my brethren is our family. Maybe we got family members that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's saying here... If I've changed you, if I've made you a new creature, you need to tell your family about me as well because maybe they don't know or maybe they're in the wrong setting. Maybe they're in a church that's not preaching the truth. 
I need you to go and tell them what I've done for you so that may change their life. All right, let's go over to Mark chapter 5, verse 18. So in Mark chapter 5, this was when the man was delivered of the 2,000 unclean spirits, the gathering demoniac. And Jesus Christ cast all of those spirits out. And they said, "We are many, for we are legion, legion, we are many. And when he did, they all ran to about 2,000 pigs and were cast into the sea. Now in verse 18, we're going to pick up what the man wanted to do after Jesus Christ had cleansed them and casted all those demons out of him. Verse 18. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devils prayed him that he might be with him. So the man wanted to go with Jesus Christ. He wanted to follow him. He wanted to do what the Lord was doing. 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home. To thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. Verse 20, And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. So what did, the, what did Jesus tell this man to do? I need for you to go back and testify what I have done for you. To your friends... And to your family. And this is something that the Lord, when He delivered me of the life that I was living in, said, I know that the life that you were in was not a pleasant one. I know the hurtful things that you went through. But when you come in contact with someone who has been living the same way you have been living, and I delivered you out of it, I want you to tell them what I have done for you so their lives may be transformed. Unfortunately, in some churches today, and I know because I was raised in part of it, there is a, well, just putting it plainly, there's a hypocrisy going on in the church today. People are acting like they don't have any problems. They're acting like they never had any problems. They are acting like that they were right out of the womb saved, and they never went through anything. And that's just not true for most people. And I'm not saying that it can't happen, but most people today, you go through something. You go through some sort of trial, you know, tribulation, turmoil. Your house got foreclosed. Your kids are acting up. Your husband or your wife's not doing right. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things going on in art. You maybe you're having problems with your in-laws, or financial issues are going on, or just something is not right. Maybe you went through fornication, and now the Lord has saved you. Anything, but we can't act like we got it all down. We can't act like nothing ever happened to us. Okay, yes, the Lord has cleaned us up and He has changed our life. But if we just keep that inside of us and we don't tell anybody about what the Lord's done for us, then that's just being selfish. Amen. That's being proud. That's more worried about what is someone going to think about me if they realize that I was an alcoholic. What will they think about me? Who cares what they think about you? Will this person be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ if you tell them what the Lord's done for you. Or if we tell them what the Lord's done for us. You know? 
you guys know my story, and I don't have a problem with telling it, because if it helps bring someone to Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell it. Because that is what it's about. And we cannot hold that inside of us. We really cannot do that. The Lord didn't change us to, to make us mute. He didn't change us so we would sit down and put a piece of duct tape over our mouth and not say anything. You know, He changed us. Why? Why did He change us? He changed us so just like this man here who was delivered of 2,000 unclean spirits would go back out into the world or go to our friends who saw us one way and now we are different. Just like Saul when he was transformed into Paul, people saw him one way. Now he's different just a few days later. You know, hey, he went back out and he started preaching Jesus Christ and people were looking... Isn't this Saul that was just persecuting the Christians? But what happened? I mean, he caught fire. And he went out, as all the disciples did. And that is what we are supposed to do. Okay? If the Lord transforms our lives, that is what we are supposed to do. Tell our friends. Tell our family. Regardless if they believe it or not, it's the testimony, right? It's what the Lord's done for us. Transformed us. Made us into the image of Him. You know, so that's what we should be doing. Alright, uh, let's go back to Psalm. Psalm 66. Psalm 66, verse 16. Come in here, all ye that fear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what He hath done to my soul, what He hath done for my soul. I cried unto Him with my mouth, and He was extolled with my tongue. If I regarded iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily, God hath heard me; He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. So verse 18 is a really big one. It says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if we have anything in our heart that is evil, then the Lord's not going to hear us. Why? Because we're not giving everything to Him. We're not letting go of those things that are keeping us from having a relationship with the Lord. Someone's done wrong to us, let it go. The Lord knows what's going on with that person, but we can't hold anything in us. And the number one key thing is that we can't hide anything from God in the first place, so we shouldn't even try. But we do. We may think, oh, well, maybe he won't see this over here, or maybe he won't worry about that over there. No, God knows all. God knows everything. Okay? We don't know everything, but he does. And that's why it's if we let go of those hurtful things that people may do to us, that is just one heavy burden that's just freed. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't have to worry about what someone says about you. You don't have to worry about why if someone talked bad about you. You're having a bad hair day. Who cares? You know, <laughs> you're not wearing the, the right socks at work. Who cares? You know, maybe you, your, your dress has a crease in it. Who cares? <laughs> Maybe you don't have enough grease on your head. Oh. Who cares? <laughs> That's alright. I'm not <laughs> But what I'm saying is, is that just let those things go. 
and pray for that person because we don't know what other, others are going through as to why they may be malice in their heart. Okay, They may have gone through some horrible times in their life. They may be having issues at home, and that's why they're acting the way they're acting. But we cannot have that iniquity in our heart. we got to let those things go and give them to the Lord so He can work with us. He can use us as that testimony that He has for us in every aspect of life. Verse 20. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor His mercy from me. So, the Lord hears our prayers, and we uh, recently, or last week, there was a, Derek did a Bible study on patience. And that is something that is extremely very important for us to have in our life. And I got to thinking about it too, and it was brought up that patience, when you have patience in your life, that really is the nine fruit of the Spirit, is patience. Because all of those things fall under patience. If you have patience, you have meekness. If you have patience, you have long-suffering. If you have patience, you have peace. You have joy. You have all of the fruit of the Spirit in you in patience. In patience under the Lord Jesus Christ. That He will use us. But we got to have that patience. we got to pray to the Lord. Lord, I know you put me into this situation for a reason. You know, I... They're kind of talking funny about me at work, but I know that if I wait on you, we that wait on the Lord, right? He will, you know, we will mount up on wings of eagles. We will run and not be weary. So we got to have that patience in our life to do what the Lord's called us to do in every situation because while you're at work, I know that there's individuals in here today that have experienced that at work through patience, talking to individuals. You see someone at work, Man, this person will never come to know the Lord. Then one day, having a chance, they invite you to sit down and have lunch with them. One thing leads to another, and before you know it, you're talking to them about the Lord. And it's a joy, but it's a joy through patience. Alright, let's go to John 15, verse 18. Alright, John 15 and 18. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. So, why does the world hate us? Because we have Jesus Christ in us, and the world hates Jesus Christ. Because this is Satan's kingdom. Okay? If we are of the world, as it talks about in Romans 8, if you are carnally minded, you cannot be minded of the things of Jesus Christ. So the world hates God. And if it hates God, it is going to hate us. Why? Because it is the spirit that's within us. It cannot understand why we act the way we act. It cannot understand why we have the joy and peace that we have. It cannot understand it. So because it doesn't understand it, and because it cannot bring us into the yoke of bondage, of sin, of not being accountable for the way that we're living, it's going to hate us for it. Verse 19, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So the Lord has pulled us out of this world, so that means that the world's going to hate us because we're no longer living like the world if he's pulled us out of it. Verse 20, 
Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept, if they have kept my sayings, they have, will keep my yours also. So, saying here, Jesus Christ is persecuted. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was put on a cross. If we are not greater than Jesus Christ, which we are not, guess what? We're going to have to be going through some persecution when everything really hits the fan. But that's when we find the joy and the peace that overcometh the world. Jesus Christ said, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So that means if we have Jesus Christ in us, we have overcome the world. So, when the trials and tribulations and the persecutions come, sing praises unto the name of the Lord. Know, for a fact, that if you do not turn back, if we do not take the mark of the beast, if we live with Jesus Christ in our hearts, we will be with Him. Have that joy and praise in you. Be a living testimony. We don't know that if they got us walking down the aisle, hands behind our back, going to the gas chamber or whatever, we're praising the Lord. Someone in the cell next to us might say, why is it they're, that they're so happy right now? What is it about them that keeps them calm? That is Jesus Christ in us. We don't know by the way that we live who's going to be transformed. All right. Verse 21. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Saying here, they don't know God the Father. Verse 22. If I had not come and spoken unto you, they had not had sin. But now they have, they have no cloak for their sin. So Jesus Christ saying here is that if I didn't come into this world and if I didn't preach of my Father, they wouldn't have had sin. But he did. But now they're trying to cloak their sin. They're trying to say, I don't have any sin in my life. <laughs> One day that's all going to be exposed. So we cannot put a cloak over our sin. Our sin has to be exposed in front of Jesus Christ so He can take it out of us and He can change our life. Verse 23. Three, he that hateth me hateth my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they have, they have, uh, but now have they both seen and hated both me and the Father. Verse 25. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Jesus came in righteousness. No sin, no guile, nothing wrong. He didn't do anything wrong, and they persecuted him anyways because he came and preached the Father to all men. He came and preached the truth to all men. And it is true. The truth is evil in a wicked society. Jesus Christ is evil in a wicked society. Those that are following other idols, other gods, Satan worshipers, anything that's not of Christ will hate Jesus Christ. Why? Because all he wants to do is take this, his word, everything that he's written, and he wants to change our life. It's like if you're riding your bike as a kid and you fall down, get scraped up. That happened to me quite a bit. You get scraped up. What's, mom, what's mama going to do? She's going to take that bottle of peroxide and pour it on, the, on that spot. Now, it's going to hurt like the dickens for a while, but it's going to make you feel better. Why? Because it's cleansing out the dirt. It's cleansing out 
the stuff that can cause an infection and where you got scraped. It's cleansing it out. So it doesn't feel good at the time. I mean, it hurts. You got to hurt. You know, you got to bear it. Or, you know, if you get rubbing alcohol and you put it on something, it burns. It really does. But after it cleanses out the infection, it feels better. It will heal. Because if you don't get the infection out, if we don't get the flesh out, if we don't get the world out, if we don't get the sin out of our life, it will kill us. It will cause things to happen in our life that we don't need to. It is that spiritual alcohol, or rubbing alcohol. It is that spiritual peroxide that we need. No, it doesn't feel good. It's going to prick us. It's going to hurt. But would we rather have the hurt transformed into the image of Jesus Christ? Or would we rather spend an eternity in hell in the lake of fire? we got a choice to make. And this is what the Word is saying here. Verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom will I send unto you from the Father? Even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So when Jesus Christ left, he didn't leave us comfortless. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the one that comes to each and every one of us and taps us on the shoulder. Hey, uh, I know you got some things going on right now, but we need to talk. Because if you don't get this right in your life, you're, you're not going to be with Jesus Christ in heaven. So we need to have a talk about this. And the Holy Spirit's the one that will consciously come to you knocking on the door. We can, we can only ignore him for so many times and then he's going to back away. You know what? You don't want me. So I'm going to step away for a little while and let you do the things that you want to do. But the Lord did not leave us comfortless. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Verse 27. And ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. So this is a prophecy that the Lord's giving that the disciples would speak of Jesus Christ after he left. <clears throat> All right. Let's go to um, Matthew 6 and 33. All right, Matthew 6 and 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So, if we seek the kingdom of heaven, or if we seek the kingdom of God, if we lay up our treasures in heaven and not in this earth, again, that's also one less thing that we have to worry about, is if we place our treasures in heaven. Because if we... There's nothing wrong with having... being married or having children or anything like that. It's fine. But we cannot place stock into this world. You know, it's... It's just... I don't know, the world these days just does not seem like that great of a place to be in anymore. If we know the truth about what's really going on in this society and how it hates God, why would we want to why would we want to continuously live here? Wouldn't we want to be in a place that does not take advantage of us? Wouldn't we want to be under someone who's not going to lie to us? You know, wouldn't we want to be somewhere where there's not unjust weights and measures? When 274 for a tank of gas seems reasonable, that is unjust weights and measures. You know, there was a time when gas prices were a dollar, under a dollar. And, you know, it was kind of nice. But now, look at it. Everything that you do, we're in a non-tax state. That's great. 
but then they still hike the prices up on everything. And we want to live in a world that curses God. We want to live in a world that shakes its fist at God. That because we are at peace with the way that we live, we're not cursing, we're not smoking, we're not drinking, we're not involved in you know, fornication. We want to live, live a clean life. If you're a woman, you want to live a virtuous life before the Lord. But why does the world hate us for that? Why? Again, it is that spirit within us. It is the way that we want to live for Jesus Christ. But because we don't want to be involved in the pleasures of this life, the pleasures of this world anymore, the world sees us totally different now. But at the same time, this is really Satan's kingdom. Everything you look around, everything that you see goes against Jesus Christ. It's just a small remnant that wants to live for Jesus Christ. It's like everyone here today, we want to live for Jesus Christ. You know, we want to, we really want to lay up our treasures in heaven and seek to be closer to Him. No, the world cannot understand that. But if this was a world that loved Jesus Christ, it's not. But if it was, it wouldn't be this way right now. It really would It would really have an understanding of what the Scripture says. Right? I'm just going to read Matthew 4 and 4. Matthew 4 is when, the, is when the devil came to Jesus and tried to tempt him. He tried to uh, tempt him three different times. And all three times, Jesus came at him with Scripture of what the Word said. And at the end of it, or no, I'm sorry, not at the end of it, but verse 4 said, But he answered and said, and said, and this is Jesus talking to Satan, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So what is this saying here? We can't trust himself. We cannot trust in what the world tries to give us. This is another good way where prayer and fasting also comes into play. Because I tell you, if we live a life of prayer and fasting, and we deny self, and we draw closer to the Lord, we will be that much greater into the Spirit. The Lord can show us things that He may only be able to show us through prayer and fasting because we got to come out of that carnal flesh. we got to come out of this world. Prayer and fasting is a really good way to come out of the world so the Lord can speak with us. But we can't live for self in this world. If we're trying to live for Jesus Christ, we cannot live for self. The two, it's like oil and water. The two do not go well together. Amen. All right, and then Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it shall... Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So the Lord is saying here, if we come before Him, humble before Him, then He's going to show us what He has for us. He says here, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not for self, but what He wants us to do. Lord, what do you have for me? Alright, seek and ye shall find. Seek the Lord Jesus Christ and you will find him. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. If we sup with the Lord, he will come in and sup with us. So, tonight what I have isn't very long. I know that Derek's going to get up and close out. But really what I wanted everyone for us all to understand is being that living testimony in front of the world. In front of whoever. It doesn't matter. We still have to be a living testimony of what the Lord has done for us. 
and how he has changed us. And we never know who we're coming in contact with. That could very well be the next individual that comes to the Lord. And I got one example I wanted to give, and then I'll give it back over to you. Um, well, it wasn't long. <laughs> it was kind of good. Um, a little over a week ago, I had to do a CPR class with the security company that I work with. And the guy up there was talking about a defibrillator. Does anyone in here know what a defibrillator is? Okay. Well, for those of you who don't, a defibrillator is a machine that if someone is going into cardiac arrest, you take it out and you hook it up to them. And then you turn it on. And it reads if whether or not they need to shock to their heart to get the, you know, to get it moving again. Now, if it doesn't need a shock, you can just, you can continue CPR. But if it does need a shock, it will tell everyone to back away, and then it will shock the person, and then you continue CPR. Well, it got me to thinking that we are God's defibrillators. And every person that we come in contact with, if that person doesn't need a shock, we can continue to talk, a spiritual shock, we can continue to talk to them about the Lord. But if they do, the Lord's going to tell us, I want you to go after that person right there. He's the person that needs to be laid hands on. He's the person that needs to have demons casted out of him. So that is what the Lord got me to thinking about that, is that that is what we are. We are the Lord's, we are his battle axe. We are his defibrillator just walking around. And so people that we talk to, that may happen in the name of Jesus. So that's all I have. Um, just something to think about for us all being a living testimony for Jesus Christ. Thank everyone for coming. Um, I especially want to thank my brother Martin, my sister Laura, you know, for allowing us to have this. You know, their help has been immeasurable as far as you know having things set up. And you know, if we were doing this anywhere else, we probably would be paying like three, four thousand dollars. I know because the very first conference we had, <laughs> you know, I didn't realize it cost that much, but that's what it, you know, was. And the funny thing is, they didn't really accommodate us with half of what we have here. So, this world is full of unjust weights and measures. You know, I'm grateful for my brother Greg for being in the ministry. And the Lord's doing great things in his life. You know, he and I talk a lot. My sister Karen, you know, she actually introduced me to the Bible study that, you know, we ended up going to. And Karen's mom back there, I'm glad to see her come today. You know, I haven't seen her in a while. You know, my brother Carlin, my sister Christina, my sister Sarah, who is like, I mean, man, like my other half. I mean, we're like Mutt and Jeff, Batman and Robin, you know, we're like always there doing stuff. Cagney and Lacey, you know, whomever. My sister Eric and Holly, you know, um, my brother Eric, my sister Holly, I'm glad they're there. Like I said, Holly was nine months pregnant and still coming to Bible study, so... They were really in it. You know, and Melissa, Melissa's been around. You know, Melissa, we appreciate her music, you know, and everything that she brought. Melissa and I have been friends for a long time. You know, we've been through a lot of stuff together. Um, my brother Jake, you know, is a really good friend. I consider him a brother for sure. I mean, he's hooked me up with I don't know how many jobs, you know, and, and done so much. His heart's always in the right place. He may not say a lot, but... 
he's always out to help people out. So, you know, that's what a person of God is really all about, to stay unspotted from the world and to love your neighbor, you know, taking care of the widows and the oppressed. My brother Ryan, you know, I'm glad to see him today. We've been through battles, you know, spiritual, physical, you name it. You know, out there preaching the gospel got us in trouble at work. But that's when you know who's really dedicated and who's really in this, who really wants to be a part of this. Because, man, when trouble comes, you're going to see this thing get so thin. And the Lord can use anyone. There's none of us in here with special abilities and talents. This is all about what the Lord wants to do is find vessels fit for him to use. But it begins in the transforming of our minds. What do we see ourselves doing for the Lord? And it really does begin in your imagination. And it's not mentally ascending. It means, I remember the first time I heard some pastors speak, I think it was back in 2009, 2010. And I had always wondered, like, man, if I could only get up there. My only problem is I don't know the word of God. But, you know, when it begins in your imagination and you go with it, you'd be surprised what the Lord will do. So what really stops us is who we see ourselves as. But if we really want the things of God and we want him to show us things, man, it doesn't take a ministry to be a part of anything. All it takes is a willing vessel that wants to be full of the spirit of God. And that's all we're looking for right now. We're just looking for vessels that want to do the will of God, that want to be built up. Like Jesus mentioned in Matthew 7, for those who have not built their houses on quicksand, for those who have built themselves up in Christ, that is all we're looking for. I don't care if they ever come back to this Bible study or whatever, or this ministry. If they get built up in Christ and the Lord tells them to go, then their prayers, our prayers will be with them. Because this is just all about killing the old man and letting the new man come and live. The one that Jesus Christ wants to live. Let's go to Luke 17 and um, verse uh, 20. Said I kept him up many a night. <laughs> right, so we got Luke, uh, Luke 17 and verse 20, and it says, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So I know a lot of times we get used to religion, we get used to calling on others for help and needing things, but man, the life of God can live in you to do the things of God. You can't see the kingdom. You can't find the kingdom. The kingdom is not a physical place. The kingdom belongs in, in willing vessels that the Lord wants to bring it through. When they were asking about the kingdom, the Lord pointed directly back to them. Man, the kingdom is in you. Just like Moses, when he was standing there in front of the Red Sea asking the Lord what he should do, Pharaoh's soldiers were behind them. The Lord said, what's that in your hand? You know, you're talking about all the help, all the things that you need. I put the staff in your hand to do the work yourselves. And this is what it's all about, having the Lord do work through us. Forgetting about self, because self, and you know, for a person to go to hell, you know, all you have to do is be a regular person. That's right. 
all you gotta do is be an average person that lives an average life. I don't care if you're giving cakes to everybody you see. I don't care if you're hugging everybody you know. If the life of God does not live in you, then you are not one of God's. So we want people that are going to be full of the Holy Spirit. And anyone wants, you know, prayer tonight, anyone wants me to lay hands, whatever it is that needs to be done, you know, this is what it's all about, is being built up in Christ. Because Jesus wants us to be like him. He wouldn't tell us, be ye holy, for he is holy, if it couldn't be done. That's right. We've got to forget about us. But it's not something that you mentally assume to. It's something that we know that the Lord, you know, the transformation occurs in wanting his word. Wanting to be with him. Wanting to spend time with him. And he will make these things come to pass. Because ministries and churches aren't forever. Bible studies are not forever. Your Bible will be taken out of your lap one day. And the word of God is going to have to live in you. So we need to stop skinning and grinning, smoking and coking and really looking at it like, hey, man, we got to get built up in Christ. We need to do what's necessary to stand in the time. Ephesians 6. I'm just going to go over two things and I'm, I'm done. I promise. That's right. Amen. Ephesians 6, and we'll start at verse 12, over verse 10, and it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So he's telling brethren to be strong, but not himself, to be strong in Christ, in the Lord, and in the power of his might. So when we stand, it's going to depend on how much investing, how much time we spend with the Lord determines on how long we stand. And then it says, um, Put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So do we even realize without it, we can't stand. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, so this is our battle. Forget about everything physical. Forget about Barack Obama. Forget about Donald Trump. Forget about homosexuality. We're dealing with live entities that are trying to get everyone involved in relativism to tell you that everything is okay that's not okay. And we've got to understand in order to cross over to that side, in order to deal with what we're at war with, we've got to get in the spirit. You can't fight it from this side of things. Okay, so we're going to have to have SWAT. We need special weapons and tactics. And the only way that we're going to receive these things is from the gift of the Holy Ghost. Right. Amen. So, you know, everybody knows about the um, armor. Let's go. We started in Philippians 3. We're going to finish in Philippians 3. And we'll close out. But this is really about being a vessel that the Lord wants to use. I'm sorry our sister Christine is not here today. She's come a long way. She's now teaching and doing other things. And, you know, my brother Carlin, you know, he's out there doing it. Jake's evangelizing, talking to everybody he knows. You know, Martin and Laura, man, like I said, you guys, your support has been, you know, great. And I really appreciate you and I love you all. But I'm not going to kid anybody into thinking that it's always going to be like this. We're headed for some very tough times. And this is why Jesus says endure hardness as a good soldier. Of Jesus Christ. Amen. For no man that wars. Entangles himself with the affairs of this life. 
that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. We gotta be soldiers for Christ. Where did I say go? <laughs> Philippians, Philippians three. Sorry. Sorry. All right. I believe we stopped there. I'll read eighteen again. For many walk of whom. I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Guys, you can't let anybody stop you from dying. You can't let anybody keep you from crossing over. Jesus says that children will be turning in their parents and parents and children, husbands and wives, you name it. Two will be in the bed, one taken, the other left. You can't mentally ascend. This is not a group salvation. We have to all work out our own salvation through much fear and trembling. We've got to know the Lord ourselves. Amen, that's right. Who we know and who we've spent time with is not going to be enough. Can is Christ formed in us is what this is all about. Whose end is destruction. So the enemies of the cross of Christ, their end is their destruction. Whose God is their belly and who glory in their shame. Who mind earthly things. So if, you know, I don't care what we're talking about. If it's not about Christ or anything spiritual pertaining to the kingdom of God, we are the enemies of the cross of Christ. If you got a brother praying and talking about the Lord and you want to talk to him about the reality show you saw, you are the enemy of the cross of Christ. When you're not walking in the spirit, okay, that means that you're minding something earthly. To stay in the spirit means to be in earthly, you know, in, involved in earthly things. I mean, spiritual things, mining spiritual things. But if you are earthly, the biggest problem is that's all you can think about. So where's there room for Jesus if we're so invested in what's in the world? You know, and I'm not trying to kill anybody's fun. I understand people have lives to live and things to do. But how can you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, if you love something more than him? A newsflash to everybody? If you love anything more than God, you have already accepted the mark of the beast. You don't have to believe me. But if this continues and we stay this way, you have already chosen the mark. Why? Because it's going to come down to Christ in you versus the world. And this world is going to leave you flat. The same world that we have trouble serving God with, this world is going to tell you, man, unless you come over this way and you worship Satan for real, or that which is Antichrist, you ain't coming in here. You'll starve to death. So th this same world that we're fighting for, that we don't like people telling us what to do, it's going to cut you flat. And you can either join or you're going to be with Christ. But Christ is going to take care of his people. But I'm telling you, if you got anything in front of Jesus Christ, you've already taken the mark. He said the name of the beast or the number of the beast or the number of his name. So it's not even about the mark. The mark is, yeah, okay, I'll take the mark, but what about the name of the beast? Do you identify with the beast? Do you have his title? Do you like what the beast likes? Do you eat what the beast eats? Do you mind the things that the beast minds? This is what it's all about. Because if this world is all satanic, if anything you mind in this world, this is what Satan is about. This is his level of entertainment. And the number of his name, are you a man? Or are you a man full of Christ? Because Christ's number is seven. God's number is seven in the spirit. Man and beast were born on the sixth day. All you got to do is be a man. 
and you will go to hell. Because Jesus Christ is who completes us. God never made the beings that we are. God made Adam and Eve to be perfect. What Adam and Eve had was the Holy Ghost. We've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. This is who leads us back to this marriage. We want to make this marriage. We want to make this wedding supper. You're not going to, man, it's going to be greater than anything that we've ever seen. And all the wedding planner, the Holy Ghost, the high sheriff of heaven wants to do is get us ready for the wedding. I'm not saying to women or men, you got to be a warlord. But what I'm saying is get to know Christ. Spend time with him. You don't think you can lay hands on the sick and they can recover? Believe me, you can. He already put the treasure in your vessel. All you've got to do is dig it out. Verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto the glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto him. So this whole story is Jesus Christ. He's going to shut this book one day. Are our books, are our names written in this book? That's the only thing that's going to matter. Not if you had kids, not if you spent the rest of your life in love, not if you've ever made it rich or, or achieved degree upon degree. Like Sarah said, and I agree, your night can end tonight. Do you know Jesus Christ? I'm not trying to paint fear. I love everyone enough to tell them the truth. And I believe that if you really do walk in the spirit, you can unplug minds from this world because this is a lot of people's reality. And unfortunately, this is the devil's playground. So our minds need to be above it and beyond it. That's right. Because this is where you seek and you gain the riches of Jesus Christ. This is how you become an end time disciple for Jesus Christ. Amen. You can't bring the world through with you. And I'm not saying it's an overnight process, guys. This comes with time. There are things I do now that I never thought I would do. There are things I'm still doing that I wish I would never do again. So these are things that the Lord is just working us out. I told the Lord, well, I'll be more humble, you know, and first little argument I have at work. Um, who are you talking to? You know, because there's still some flesh that needs to go. And it's okay. As long as we know what the goal is, let's serve the Lord. He deserves this. Every breath in our bodies, everything that we do, everything that we have, give it back to Christ. He's the only one that knows what to do with it. All right, guys. So um, from this point on, you know, um, I'd like to pray for anyone here. I'd like to lay hands on anyone that needs it. I don't care if we've spent so much time together a couple of years. If we're not sure of our salvation and where, we, and where we're going and what we need to do, then I'm willing to pray a prayer with anyone here. I'm willing to lay hands on anyone. I'm willing to do what is necessary. But one thing we cannot do is pretend that we're in this and we're out. Okay? So if anybody needs prayer, anybody wants to get to know the Lord for real, then this is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to pray for anyone that wants it. There's nothing to be ashamed of in pursuing Jesus Christ. Because many of us have never been born again. Many of us have think that we've been born again, but we've never known Christ. 
we're still fighting with the things that we fought with. And you know, God's side of things, I mean, it's just glorious. There's so much that he wants us to have and he wants us to see. And you ain't been on this side of things before. This is what it's all about. If there's any spirits of fear, if there's any spirits of doubt, if there's any spirits of unbelief, if there's anything that you know that you're still struggling with as a believer, I'm willing to pray for them now today. So if anybody's willing, you can come forward and, um, you know, we're going to do what we have to do because this is that important. This is what it's really all about. Anybody else? Because, you know, now or never, you know, what an awesome God we serve. All that he does, all that he wants for us. Don't be ashamed of not having what he, that he, what he we need to have. That's the only way that we're getting in. That's the only way that we're getting in. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. If anybody's unsure, we can pray this prayer together. I'd like to even pray for the baby. Yeah. He belongs to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you have willing vessels here before you, Lord. You said if we take that step that you would walk it through with us. And I'm asking in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you pour out your spirit like none other time. That your Holy Ghost, Lord, fall on us mightily. That we may do the mission impossible. Never for us, Lord, but for you. Lord, you want us to do what you've called us to do, and we're here now. The Calvary is here, Lord. There are those that are pouring out their hearts to you, their spirits. They want to be complete in you, Lord. For you came for this purpose. You said you would set the captives free. You said you would bind up the broken heart. You said that you would release those, Lord, that were in prison. You know, Lord, that you are our remedy for all times. And I'm asking that you just sanctify us and deliver us. If there's anything that we have, Lord, before us, let it lay. Let us lay it on the mercy seat. Let us be strong in you, Lord. Sins that we're ashamed of. Things that we've done that only you know about. Lord, let us lay them down and be strong in you. Let us forsake the world, Lord, that's got us bound. Free our minds and our hearts that we may follow you fully. And we're just asking, Lord, that your spirit just dwell right now. With those who need this prayer, I'm asking, Lord, that you hold up your right hands, guys. Heavenly Father, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are God. And there is none above you. I may have made promises to things that were against you. And I'm asking now that you push those things away. That you sweep them under your cross. That you destroy them, that they have no place. For I have not been faithful. I have not been loyal. I have broken your heart. But I desire you to walk the way of righteousness and to seek the kingdom not through anyone else but through me. 
Make me whole. Change me. Shape me. Let your hands clean me that I may be what you call me to be. Forsaking the world, those things that are the enemy of the cross, I push them aside. And I want you, Lord, to open your heart to me. That my heart may be changed, that I become a new creature, a willing vessel, the new man that you desire. We thank you, Lord. We know that you will do all that is asked. If we be sincere and lay it all on your cross. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that your spirit fall mightily. I'm asking, Lord, as we lay hands on those who need prayer, Lord, that your transference of spirit will come into them, that they may be strong in you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I'm asking that you fill Ryan with your spirit. I'm asking, Lord, that the Holy Ghost fall mightily right now. I'm asking, Lord, that you clean him as a vessel that you desire to use. And I'm asking, Lord, that he continues to walk with you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, if there be anything here that is not of your spirit, Lord, I'm asking that you cast it aside. I'm asking, Lord, that the prayer that we pray not go in vain. Receive the Holy Ghost of Jesus Christ and be made new in the new man and pursue all that he's asked you to do. Lord, I'm asking that your Holy Ghost flow and you fall right now. For we have said the words and we believe in our hearts. Lord, the rest is up to you. Heavenly Father, for my brother Jake, I'm asking right now that you place a special anointing upon his life. We thank you, Lord God, for him. We thank you that he has the courage, but Lord, he needs the spirit. So I'm asking that your spirit fall, Lord. I'm asking that it fall mightily upon him right now. Let him be strong in you, Lord, and let him receive the Holy Ghost of God, that he may walk through eternity. Baptize him in the spirit, Lord, that he may be what you have called him to be. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, for my sister Sarah, baptize her in the spirit, Lord, that she may walk as you have commanded her to walk. Let her be cleansed. Let her be made righteous and whole. Let her be the woman of God that you have intended to be. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking, Lord, that you bless this baby. I'm asking that little Jackson, Lord, get to know you. I'm asking, Lord, that he become changed, that he becomes a new man, a man serving you, almighty God. Let your spirit flow. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking, Lord, for my sister Holly, place your anointing upon her life. Lord, that she may be strong in you. Let your spirit flow, Lord. Let it fall. And my sister Christina, Lord, I'm asking, I believe that she's ready to take the next step with you. I believe that she wants to do what you have commanded her to do. And I'm asking, Lord, that your spirit fall right now. I'm asking that the Holy Ghost will dwell her, that she become a vessel fit for you, almighty God. For my brother Eric, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that your spirit falls. I'm asking, Lord, that you give him all that he is needed, Lord, to be able to walk this thing out with you. He is a willing vessel. He loves you, Lord. And we need the Holy Ghost. We need power to do all that you call us to do. 
Let your spirit flow. Let the Holy Ghost fall, Lord. Heavenly Father, for my brother Carlin, he is a willing vessel, Lord. He has given his life to you. And I'm asking, Lord, that your spirit flows. I'm asking that it falls. I'm asking, Lord, that the Holy Ghost fall mightily upon him. If there be anything here that's keeping him from going to the next level, I bind the demons, Lord, that are here. I bind everything that is of the world that is not doing the thing that, that you want, Lord. For you want a mighty people, Lord, raised up to do your will. Receive the Holy Ghost and let your spirit fall. In the name of Jesus, Lord, for my sister Melissa, strengthen her, Lord. If there be spirits of fear, spirits of doubt, spirits of the world, Lord, I'm asking that they be taken away. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you have, for all that you choose to do, Lord. Let your spirit indwell her, Lord, and cast aside anything that's keeping her from coming to you. Heavenly Father and my brother Greg, Lord, I thank you for him. I thank you for him giving you all that you have asked him to. I'm asking, Lord, that you give him more. We need a double portion to fall on this group right now, Lord, and you're the only one who can distribute it. You're the only one, Lord, who can do the things that we need to have done. Receive the Holy Ghost of God and let his will, Lord, flow in my brother Greg. Let your spirit fall. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, in the name of Jesus right now, we are not done until you say that we are done. You can use any vessel at any time. In the name of Jesus, if there be anything here, Lord, I'm asking that it be cast aside. I'm asking that it be wiped out. I'm asking that newness of life, Lord, and the old man be destroyed. Lord, do it, Lord, because you can. Let your spirit flow. Any sickness, anything here that's not right, anything around this group, Lord, that I have not mentioned, cast it down and let your spirit flow. Receive the Holy Ghost. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for my sister, Laura. Lord, help her get to the next level of where you want her to go. Let her be strong in you. Let her, she is a willing vessel, Lord. Let your spirit fall, Lord. If there's anything here that's prevented, anything from the past, from going forward, Lord, we ask that you cast down in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, but my sister Karen, for all that she's going through, Lord, if she has anything in her life, Lord, I'm asking it be cleansed. Old things, old times, old world stuff. Lord, place it beneath your cross. Crush it and sweep it up, Lord. It's got no place here. I'm asking that a special anointing be placed on every one, Lord, that I lay hands on in the name of Jesus, that they be strong, that your spirit flows. Let your spirit fall, Lord. Remove those things that are not here, that shouldn't be here. Remove those things that come against your body. Remove those things, Lord, that have no place here. But you want vessels fit to use. Forget the world. The world is going to damn your people, Lord. You said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Well, I'm asking, Lord, that the old man die, that the new man may live, that this vessel may be all that you have called it to be. Lord, she loves you. Teach her how to love you more. Teach her how to do what you want. Teach us all how to forsake the world. For my brother Martin, Lord, in the name of Jesus, place a special anointing upon his life, one that only you can give. Lord, we have no power. There's nothing special about us. 
No man can do these miracles except God be with him. So, Lord, we're asking that you place a special anointing. Let my brother get to the next level, Lord, in his stage. Let us all cross that Jordan River and do what you've called us to do. For you, Lord God, can do all things. Let your Holy Ghost flow. Let your spirit fall. Let us all have what is necessary for walking in your ways. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for every vessel here. We thank you for everyone that needs prayer. We ask that these prayers go outside of everything that's here. Let it reach to the far corners of the earth that your spirit may flow, Lord. You've got a remnant. Everyone that we touch today, everyone that's heard the truth, we're all accountable, Lord. But I believe that these vessels are willing. I believe you, Lord. You are not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. Lord, the Calvary is here. Do your mighty words, Lord, for your people. Not for our sake, but for yours. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are worthy of all praises. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. And may we have many more like these. Lord, do these things for your glory. Everything we pray for, Lord, we already know it's been done. You said if we ask and doubt not, that it shall be done unto us. Well, if it doesn't happen, it won't be because of our faith. We believe you. But we know that it will happen because you are a God that holds your word above your name. So I'm asking, Lord, that you do what is necessary here. Let the Holy Ghost fall. Let your spirit flow. Let us be strong enough to push away the old things that we may forsake the world, the flesh, and the devil. We thank you, Jesus, for being an awesome God. We thank you for doing all those things that are necessary, Lord, for us to make it in. You didn't have to, but you chose to. That's how glorious you are. That's how awesome you are. For a people, Lord, that don't even deserve it. Well, we're turning it around. All we can see is the cross. And we're headed on that journey. Not to get rid of you, Lord. You've already done it. But to have Christ formed in us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.